Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, friends. You're now listening to the Lifestyle, Leisure, and Sports Show. You never knew was two of those things. I think we can all acknowledge that if this fails, you two will be fired and I will remain. <laughs> so, no pressure. Bo Bishop, a regional media icon. Winner of Emmys. Purveyor of the good life. Sir, you don't know that for a fact. I just said it on the radio. Also, two guys this company named Employee of the Month. What are you talking about? Paul Hogan is Hulk Hogan's brother. Uh-huh. Look sure it up. Because it's Hulk sure Hogan. Is. That's his real name. One guy is from Australia. The other one is from Tampa. Maybe he's from Hollywood, brother. <laughs> Not brothers. Chops. Yes, they are. This is Bishop and Friends. Oh, uh, let's do it live on a Friday edition. Bishop and Friends, the next three hours with you, Bo and the boys. Tim May in the 10 o'clock hour. Putting on the pads tomorrow. Some observations from Pro Day in the week. And what to expect tomorrow in the, in the big first scrimmage for the quarterbacks. We'll get into that. A little bit of Shelly time in the 11 o'clock hour as well. Um, I think it's a, a fair bet that 90% of you didn't know who Marquise Snowell was until last weekend. Some of you maybe didn't even know until last night. Um, the only reason I had any point of reference on him or Kansas State uh, or Jerome Tang or any of it is because Beamsy likes Kansas. So if Kansas is on television, we have to watch. And so... I've seen Kansas State play a couple of times, um, and I was w- pretty aware of what Marquise Noel was, but not to the extent of that I know now, and certainly wasn't thinking that uh, some dude who is listed, by the way, at 57155 <laughs> would be able to do what he has done over the course of the last two weekends. But it's, it's actually much more than that. Marquise Noel's story is pretty crazy. So he's 23 years old, right? Marquise Noel is 23 years old, as you know by now from, from all of the talk yesterday. He is, he is from New York. Um, he played three seasons at Arkansas Little Rock. In what I assume, and I, I could be speaking out of turn, but my, my hunch is in pretty close to absolute anonymity. He was an all-league all player in the Sun Belt as a sophomore. Um, kind of... Uh, was a very solid player. 11 a game as a freshman, 17 a game as a, as a sophomore, 14 a game as a junior uh, in the COVID year where they played, fi- they played 15 games in the COVID year. He started eight of them. So this is at a point now where in a, in a young person's life where you can go in a lot of different directions here because you're not even really playing a season, right? You played 15 games uh, in the COVID year of 2021, um, and he started eight of them. There was some off-field stuff there as well. Somehow he ends up at Kansas State. Um, so he goes to Kansas State in 2021-2022, is a pretty good player. Uh, starts 21 to 27 games, uh, 12.5 points a game, 5 assists. Nice little player, um, but certainly not anybody you'd take note of. And Kansas State makes the coaching change, and they get Jerome Tang to come over from Baylor. He's a longtime assistant, been at Baylor for 19 years, uh, comes over to Kansas State. They're picked 10th. You've heard the story by now. They're picked 10th in the preseason in the Big 12. It is a roster that is almost entirely remade of transfers. 
I think it's 10 Almost of entirely. 12 guys yeah. on the roster are new this year. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the two holdovers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's one of the two holdovers. And then all of this happens. And he's great. He's first team all Big 12. He averages 17 and 8. He becomes kind of unguardable throughout the course of the season in the Big 12, hits shot after shot after shot. But then in March, all of this happens. And it happens for reasons that we talk about every year when we go to bracket time. And I, I don't know why I didn't follow my own advice and fill up my own brackets. The worst I've ever done in the history of brackets. Um, but it's guards and can you shoot it? That's it. Guards and can you shoot it? If you have those things, you got a pretty good shot. And Kansas State has a superhuman guard who's 5'7", 155. And now everybody knows his name. The fact that he got to play in Madison Square Garden um, an arena that he probably stared at and dreamed of playing in. Anybody who grows up in New York, the garden, um, J-Lo could attest to this, Chops. Like, the garden, there's another level to it. Like, we don't, I don't have a point of reference for it. I've never seen a game there. But if you grew up in New York, the garden is a whole other uh, level. Um, so the fact that Kansas State got to play there, the fact that he got to have a game where he had 20 points, 19 assists, five steals, including the steal that actually wins the game, and a pretty ballsy play, right? I mean, he blocks a shot that could have been a three-point foul and gets the steal and the theft to go the other way to, to clinch it for Kansas State. Um, it's a remarkable story. The fact that his hero growing up, as we found out yesterday, was Kemba Walker, who had an incredible run through the Big East tournament in that arena, is not lost on me. This is what March is, man. This is what it is. It's, it's a guy. Now, I, don't, I have no clue what will happen for Marquise Noel going forward. He's a 23-year-old, 5, 755-pound dude. My hunch is it'll be a lot of Europe. I'm guessing he'll maybe get some little bit of look in the league because the kid can get separation. He's got eyes in the back of his head. He's fun to watch. My God, everything's a magician when it comes to the passes. But this is March. This is what happens. It's a name you've never heard of, or most of you had never heard of until two weeks ago, stealing the show. And now all that's standing in the way between Kansas State and the final four is FAU, who, by the way, took out Tennessee last night. And that's what has become of the NCAA tournament. It's not going to get – that's as good as it gets. You're not going to have a better script than that one. As you're watching the game, you really start to feel, okay, this might be one of those runs where guys' names are, are made in March. Mm-hmm. You think of Steph Curry going off for all those points. You mentioned Kemba Walker. That even goes back to his conference tournament. But then also yeah. then they run through the NCAA tournament, and now it's Marquise Noel. Then he goes down with like 13 minutes left and he's holding his ankle and you go, oh, no. And then MSU goes on this run and they take the lead for the first time in a very long time. And you go, not like this. I don't want it to go like this. But he comes back out and he has that crazy. It was that play where it was run out in the shot clock and he just throws it up anyway from three point range. Bank in. Good. Everything's going for him. And then coming back down, he, you know, jogging for the first time, like at full pace, he goes, oh, and he, he's hopping on his ankle mm-hmm. again. And you go, is he going to be able to stick this out? He does stick it out. He ends up breaking the NCAA tournament record for assists in a game with 19. He needed overtime, sure, but he still got it. And the the one that tied it, the 18th one, where he's where he's talking to Tang and he's pretending like they're, they're, they're discussing play. a play. And then he just throws it up. And no, it's not just a normal alley-oop. It's a reverse alley-oop, two-handed, <laughs> over the head. Awesome stuff right there. And it was that moment where, because earlier in overtime, he took a... 
he took a three from the logo. And I was yeah. like, oh, that maybe wasn't the, the best decision. He took decision. two bad threes, he, Chops. He took he one took in another regulation, one for, and he took one in overtime from way too deep. And then, got lucky on the one, got blocked. Yeah, and then a little bit later, he does end up with that alley open. I was like, you made up for it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he's just awesome to watch. He's going to be the, the player that everybody's talking about the most as this goes on, especially if they make the Final Four. He's the one that's circled now. Well, that alley oop plays like the one shining moment. Like yeah. we're going to have that played ad nauseum for the next couple of weeks. And then once the final uh, hoop is cut down, like that's going to be one of the most memorable plays you're of right. the tournament. And to his credit, at least he was taking shots. Like yeah. Michigan State, you're predicated on being able to shoot from range. Like that's how you got to this point. Because you ain't yeah. going big on anybody. You haven't been able no. to. Like Joey Hauser's your big. I mean, he's big. Yeah. He's a big person. Everybody's big. No, for- it was it, it, except for this little dude. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny. My uh, one of the boys said to make him one. They're like, "Well, aren't you rooting for Michigan State? They're a Big Ten team." And I'm like, "No, no, I'm not." And they both hate the oldest one. Hates Kansas State because he likes Kentucky, and they bounced Kentucky. And Beamsy hates them because they're Kansas's rivals. So they hate Kansas State. So I'm, it's, it works out even better for me because I can just stick it to them that that they're making this run. But it was it was absolutely magical. It really was uh, to Once see he- that. Once he came back on the floor after the ankle injury, yeah. I had totally lost any like will to be like, oh, I want Michigan State to win. I was like, this guy, we we need to see this guy succeed. He's awesome to watch. It, the right at the end of the first half too, he tried that behind the back one, which the pass was successful, but yeah. the the guy didn't get the layup off. But it was, I mean, just the things he can do out there. He's a pretty magical player, and like you said, this is what March does. Adrenaline's a hell of a drug, and also yeah. other drugs are hell of drugs. Well, you can. I don't know. I've never tried any Reese. I mean, what do you mean? Never. You Hunter S. Thompson. I never had a procedure done. <laughs> I never had an injury. They got to get you back on the court for the well. They're only Sweet Sixteen. They're only anybody in New York City. Follows, it's not like anything yeah. would be available to them. No. Anybody who follows along knows that there were copious amounts. I mean, it was. Uh, yeah, I was absolutely fear and um, loving in Tallahassee. Absolutely. No, I'm kidding. Uh, kids are listening. So here's where you're at from a. Who's in the, 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 the Elite Eight? Half of it's full. All right, these are the teams. Kansas State, who we've talked about. FAU, who was down at half to Tennessee, um, and then absolutely down five, and then smoked them in the second half, outscored them 40-28. to 28. Florida Atlantic is in the Elite Eight. Owls. The Owls, yeah, in the Elite Eight. Um, I remember when we had Bender on a couple last weekend, and I said, "I go watch out for FAU. They're thirty-one and three. Like they could get Purdue too. Uh, they didn't have to, uh, but they did get FDU. They did get Tennessee, and now they will get Kansas State in the East Regional Final. So that's exactly how you draw it up, right? FAU and Kansas State um, on the West side of things. Um, a classic late. We'll get to some of the details on that with Gonzaga and UCLA. Um, and in the top F, UConn. The only dud of the night was UConn just absolutely annihilating GoHogs." annihilating them it got to 34 to 17 and that's when you could just tell i was like oh they're that's not gonna tough. they're not gonna come that's back tough. from this they had a few runs where they got it into like the low 20s but it basically hovered between 20 and 30 for the rest of the game so what do fau yukon and gonzaga have by the way gonzaga what do they have in common non-power five not one and by the way so Three-fourths of the Elite Eight right now is non-Power 5. It's going to get bigger because for sure either Creighton or Princeton, now you got four of them. San Diego State plays Alabama. Alabama's a big favorite in that game, but there's an opportunity. Houston's the one. They're a big favorite over Miami. 
That would get you to five. Xavier, Texas. It feels like at the very least you're going to have five of the eight are going to be group of five conference teams. At the very least. Well, some of them not even group of five. Some of them are not. Yeah, right. Some of them aren't even that. They're not even. They're a whole nother and entirely something else entirely. So why has this happened? Why, Why is it that the Blue Bloods, the Power Fives, the Mount Rushmore programs are having such a damn hard time figuring all this out. And because honestly, even the power fives that are in it still are upstarts. Alabama's not some, I mean, that's not a basketball school. They they put all these recruits together, but they're not a basketball school. All these transfers, Texas is loaded with transfers. They're not traditionally a basketball power. How many final fours has Texas made in their history? Two, not many. Good. Whatever yeah, that number may be. as good as mine. I know no, no, I'm that. guessing. I mean, like two? How many's Alabama made? Have they ever made a Final Four? They're well, not like a perennial not, tournament team. No. My point is you're not staring down the barrel of Kentucky or Kansas or even teams in that vicinity. So three times for Texas. 43, 47, 03. <laughs> <laughs> How, How I did I forget? I forgot. I remember those seasons. Like, what's wrong with you guys? Yeah. The, the simple answer for this is most of these teams that are still playing – have, now, Gonzaga is different, I mean, because they're basically Duke of the West. Um, so whatever conference they're in, it, they, they've been around for a long time. This is eight straight Sweet 16s. They're, they're, they're a big, big, big brand in basketball. So they're a little bit different. Um, but it is a pretty remarkable number. And the reason that it's happened is that in most of these instances, these are groups that have been together, and they're kids who are 22 years old. Um, you saw what happened last night with Arkansas with all those freshmen when they played a team of old dudes. Got whipped. The, I'm telling you, the same thing could happen to Alabama tonight to San Diego State. The best the Crimson Tide have ever done is an 0-4 Elite Eight appearance. So they're a game from matching their best. So I think that buoys the point. And you say 22, but with the COVID years, some of these guys are like 24 on these yeah. teams. And Wasn't they, it Drake Chops up. that Drake, the average age was almost 24. I think that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, there are these, these teams now, again, we, that COVID extra year is going to start to fall off, but this idea that uh, you're just, and I, it'll be really interesting to see how the blue bloods adapt. If the one and done goes away, how they turn back the the clock and figure out how they're going to do team building going forward. But the transfer portal helps. And then these guys are super experienced and they, they go and they, they're in tournaments and then they have years to go because it's like uh, Gonzaga, they're not as good as, as they had been the previous no. few years. They don't have the elite NBA talent that they've had, but the guys that are still there have been in these other tournaments with those yeah. teams that have gone a long way. And they, they have Timmy, who was ridiculous. What do you have, 37 night? last 30, night? 36 or 7 and 13 boards. Yeah, absolutely dominant performance out of him. Um, we'll, we'll get into that game, um, and also we'll get into Tom Izzo said, really defended the Big Ten, and I want to play that for you and see if it passes the sniff test for you. Um, one last thing quickly. So the Cavs beat the Nets, and I know no one's watching this stuff right now because of, everyone's watching the tournament. You might be watching it, Reese, probably. Uh, nobody. Wow. You Shark did. watched several it, too. Several people have been watching. Yeah, in this building, several people. <laughs> two. Several, too? Okay, um, so the Cavs win at the buzzer, um, and it's it's a it's a great it's a great finish. Akuro hits it. Donovan Mitchell purposely misses a free throw, tries to get his own rebound, just misses it. The ball bounces around at Caroms. It ends up in Isaiah Coro, uh, his hands, and he knocks down a three to win it. But that's not why I want find it on find the highlight. There's a guy in a blue hat and hoodie 
at half court for the Nets. That's a Nets fan on the court. I just want you to watch him. Ignore everything else that's happening in the highlight, and I just want you to watch him. And and if that doesn't entertain you, that's my gift to you from your Uncle Bo on a Friday, kids, is to find the highlight, find the guy in the blue outfit, and watch it and enjoy it. Uh, lots to get to. A, a thriller last night for Gonzaga. The NCAA boss spoke to Greg Gumbel, and you want to talk about a word salad. This thing's unbelievable. Chuck Barkley called him out. We'll get into that coming up in about 15 minutes as well. We're off and running on a Friday edition. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. Keep your friends close and your producers closer. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Man, as someone who's flying tomorrow at 5.30 in the morning, I'm not exactly with an entire family. I'm not exactly thrilled about that weather of uh, thunderstorms throughout the evening and into the morning. Flood watch. That doesn't seem like that's ideal. Sorry, Reeser. I was going to say, take John Matrix because John Matrix is plain. That's all you need. Yeah. Whenever I think of thunderstorms and flying, I think of in the Truman Show, they don't want him to want to go on vacation. So he's in the travel agency, and it's a picture of a lightning bolt hitting a hitting a plane and it says it could happen to you <laughs> that's, that's true that ruby holds up pretty good. good um my friends make sure 2023 is the year that you beat vegas superbook sports gives you the chance every week to go head to head with the best odds makers in las vegas no fancy computer algorithms no guys across the pond setting lines for american sports just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at the superbook in las vegas plus superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets you'll find anywhere so download the superbook sports app today or visit superbooksports.com and start your battle against vegas right now visit superbook.com for terms and Conditions gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER for more. I went to bed at UCLA uh, Gonzaga at half. Gonzaga UCLA is up 13. Felt like the only thing Gonzaga could do was Timmy. That was it. He shot every time down. Uh, they couldn't. They were the the lack of defense that Gonzaga played in the first half of this game was absolutely stunning. It felt like Hawkes could get whatever he wanted, and it turns out he did. He had a great game too, 29 and 11. Um, UCLA. It was a honestly they interviewed Mick Cronin at halftime, and it was. It kind of felt like he thought, well, this thing's in the bag. I mean, he felt like a little bit chesty, and he should. They were up 13. He was, yeah. Right? Did you see that too? Like, he was pretty – it felt like he was kind of jokey-jokey, like, yeah, we got this thing. And then I don't know what the hell happened in the second half, but it's it's amazing. The shot that they hit – so it had all of it if you were able to stay up for it till midnight or whenever the thing finally ended. Um, it had all of it. UCLA drills a three to go up one with 12 seconds – after Gonzaga, Timmy has two free throws as yeah, well. Timmy, well, he's not a good free throw shooter, which no. is crazy for somebody who's as skilled as he is that he can't shoot free throws. So he misses the free throws. UCLA hits the three with 12 seconds to go. Then Gonzaga runs the Villanova play. They actually call it Villanova, where you the inbounder inbounds it to the guard, and then he trails and, and just steps into a three. Villanova hit this one to win the national championship against Carolina a couple of years ago. Um, and so Gonzaga moves on with a 79-76 win. Um they are – look, they haven't won it. I get it. But they are the most consistent team in March. They're here. This is nine straight, eight straight, nine straight, sweet 16. They're playing in Elite Eight. They get UConn next. UConn was an absolute buzzsaw against Arkansas. That game was not close, but Gonzaga will be ready for that. To me, it feels like Gonzaga would, hit, would be a favorite in that game. I haven't looked yet, uh, but my guess is that they would be. Um, they're set up here. Now to to go a little bit, and they are to your point, chops. They've been in this spot so many times. To not panic down thirteen against a really good veteran UCLA team, that was something. Especially when, like you said, really the only thing they were getting anything from was 
Drew Timmy. And he, I mean, for long stretches of the game, he had like half or more than half of their points. I mean, he still ends up with 36 of 79. So even close to that measure for the entire game. And they just kept going to him and then figuring it out and just sticking with it. And then UCLA started to miss some shots. And yep. they got their chance, and they pounced on it. They went on a little run, and then they then they went back and forth there right at the end because they even tried to give it back to UCLA. I mentioned Timmy missing those two free throws. Yeah. And then they had it with – I mean, this was only like 1.4 seconds left or whatever, but they – they did add a, he missed the front end of it and the guy made his second. And so they weren't even up two possessions still. Mm-mm. And UCLA had one last prayer that was kind of close. It wasn't that yep. bad of a shot, um, but now too little. And Gonzaga, they, they go on. Yeah, our friends over at Superbook Sports have UConn a two point favorite for tomorrow night's game that says 849. Just call it nine. Yeah. Like don't, just call it what it and is. And don't have yeah. it Friday or Saturday night at nine. Um, they've also got uh, Kansas State a two point favorite over FAU. Yeah, I like I like K State in that one. I like uh, Gonzaga is a two point dog. Yep. So this will be an this is going to be an example of me benefiting tremendously, provided God willing, I get to California tomorrow. Tremendously benefiting from West Coast time, because you said what eight forty nine, it's five forty nine California. Be nice. And that actually might be why that Arkansas Utah game didn't really have anybody in the lower bowl to start. That's that was a, pretty bad. That was like a what is that a four fifteen local Las Vegas time? Bill Murray was there, but nobody else seemed to be. <laughs> well, I also think like, I mean, I don't know. Does UConn have a fan base outside of I don't? Stores don't they have to have a New basketball England? fan base, right? I have no idea. I don't know how big the university is. Like we say this, like I don't know. Is is UConn big state U or is there like fourteen thousand people that go there? They're a state U. They are a, <laughs> but I, I mean, that's not even a big state to be big state U of. I don't know. I have no idea. Like, what's the alumni base at UConn? Have you ever met anybody who went to UConn in your life? No, I, I can't say that anybody comes to I mind. I do either. think of the kid who got kicked out of, like, a campus eating diner for, by security because he came in drunk and really wanted mac and cheese. That was a viral <laughs> video a few years ago. That's true. That's that sad because that's 99% of college student population <laughs> that drinks. Yeah. But most so of I- us just managed to get our mac and cheese and not get kicked out. It's true. As of 2021, UConn had an enrollment, an undergraduate enrollment of 18.5. Okay. Mid-size? Mid. Yeah, mid. Um, the Big Ten failed to get out of the Sweet 16 two years in a row. Um, I think the last two years we've had, I thought I saw a graphic last night, 17 teams into the Big Dance, and for the second consecutive year, no team gets to the Elite Eight. Um, the Big Ten has taken a lot of lumps. Uh, we've talked about it a lot. Uh, Mike DeCourcy pushed back on it, um, but I – to me, there is an issue here, and I, you know, I, the one common thing that you hear is, "Well, go get elite players." But you say, "Well, how can you do it?" And when I when I said that, I, I pressed Mike on that yesterday. We love having Mike on, uh, but I pressed him on it yesterday. I said, "Well, who can do that?" And he goes, "Well, do you remember Greg Oden and Mike Connolly?" Yeah, I do. It's, it's seventeen years, years ago. ago. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like sure, I do. I I remember Bryce Senzabon, Malachi Branham, but I don't remember a steady diet of them. You can name a guy here or there, but it's. It's nothing like what's going to come out of the SEC into the NBA draft this year. It's not even close, let alone the rest of these leagues. So um, Tom Izzo was having to carry the banner for the league, and they weren't able to – they were great. I mean, Michigan State was great, just got beat by a better team that was a little more clutch. Here was Izzo yesterday when asked about the Big Ten and their struggles in March. No matter what anybody says, top to bottom, uh, you know, I, I have no problem standing up and saying we have the best league in the country. You know, when you have that number of teams, 
uh, beating the hell out of each other every day. I don't think we're worn out from it. I just think you get a bad seed from it. So we had all these teams with seven, eight, and nine seeds. And I'm not saying that was wrong, but that's what happens when uh, I like to see some teams come in and survive this league in the places we play. So, you know, I'm going to become a big Badger fan. I'm going to pull for them in the NIT. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm proud of my team, but I'm proud of the league too. And uh, disappointments, there's disappointments. But uh, I think as a seven seed, maybe we showed how good our league was instead of, like some people say, the other way around. So this is a common defense of the league is that top to bottom. So the thinking is that, or the theory would be that Purdue is one of the best teams in the country or were, were one of the best teams in the country. And also that the bottom, so that's Minnesota, Nebraska, this year us, mm-hmm. that those teams are, are, are really, the bottom is really good is the pushback that you're going to get. That's one of the defenses that you'll get from the Big Ten. Um, so, so what that is is it's, if you take it another step, it's basically that the league is middle class. That the high isn't that high and the low isn't that low. That's the pushback. The other thing that you hear all the time is is that line from Tom where he says, beating the hell out of each other every time out. I'd like to see other people do it. Well, that's part of the problem, in my opinion. That's part of the problem. Yeah, what does that get you? It gets you nothing. And the physicality isn't something that translates. His teams are the best of the Big Ten teams in March and have been for, for 20 years. There's little blips for Wisconsin. There's a blip here or there for Michigan. Uh, Ohio State had a couple of blips with that. But by and large, the one constant's been Michigan State. Um, and, and his teams aren't built that way. They're not built to bludgeon you. They're built to score. This year's team was built on threes at Michigan State. And that's when he makes his runs, when they're yeah. teams that have offensive prowess and the the Big Ten, like, there's really no value in winning a game 52 to 48 and then being like, no. we look at this this fight we have. He also mentions the seeds. Oh, we come in at 79. So well, you guys lost games. Even though, you, oh, yeah, you lost games to each other. We lost games. So I think the seeds were deserved. Also, I think this, this year especially, but recent memory has also proven this, that it doesn't really matter where you're seeded. If you're a better team, you start to advance and you start to do well in the tournament. The only... It, is even the first round easier? We, we're finally starting to see 16s wins, a 15 wins pretty much every year. At a certain point, like, it's just get into the tournament. And the Big Ten still gets that benefit of the doubt, gets a lot of teams in the tournament, and only one, eight teams in, one makes a Sweet 16, no Elite Eight teams. I mean, Tom Izzo's wrong. And so I yeah. think and most people understand. Most he's people in his league. And he's fine. He's fine yeah. to be wrong. There's nothing happened. You know, nothing's going to happen if he's wrong on this. I think everybody listening or everybody that's watched enough Big Ten basketball and how not well they've done in the tournament can say it's not. He He's absolutely wrong in this. And it doesn't feel like it's going to change, though. I no, used- I, you, need a, you need a team in this league to – like some of it is the pros conversation we're up against a little bit, but even that has been nipped in the bud this year. FAU doesn't have any NBA guys. I don't know if Kansas State's got NBA guys. They definitely don't have first-round picks. UConn, does UConn have any first-round picks? Does Gonzaga – Timmy's not a first-round pick. No. I used so to, that, that a, that's four of the eight. I used to defend the Big Ten in the tournament to friends and stuff because at least at in the like previous decade, they were still sending teams to the Final Four. They had a few national runners-up, and it's like, so they're still getting teams that far. And now, over the last five years, they're not even doing that. They no. need to change something. 
Yeah, it does. Um, and I think we've identified the two things. I think you've got to get better players, and you also need to be able to be officiated a little differently so that it translates by the time you get into the tournament. So we haven't heard from Charlie Baker yet. Now you're probably going, well, Bo, who the hell is Charlie Baker? Oh, he's the new boss of the NCAA. He spoke yesterday um, on CBS with Greg Gumbel, with Clark Kellogg. He had a lot to say about his priorities. We'll get into that coming up next. Bishman Friends right here on The Fan. What's up? What's up, man? What's up, Sponsored by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook Sports app or visit Superbook.com and start making your bets today. All right, here's what's up on a Friday edition of the program. In the midst of the madness and all the fun of it, we got a little politicking. And the new boss of the NCAA is a politician, former governor uh, of Massachusetts. He was on with Greg Gumbel and Clark Kellogg among the many issues uh, that he's going to be tackling as the new boss of the NCAA. Uh, let's start with this one. His number one priority, this is Charlie Baker, the new NCAA boss. His number one priority is the new NCAA president. Well, there is this basketball tournament that landed just about the same time I landed. I think the other thing I would speak to specifically is trying to create some what I would call consumer protections for families and student-athletes around uh, name, image, and likeness, which the, one of the ADs referred to as uh, the only thing that's true about it at this point is everybody lies. Mm-hmm. So I would love to create some transparency and accountability around that so that families actually know um, what they're getting into, and I would really like to see some sort of uniform standard contract so that when somebody signs it, they know they're signing the same kind of agreement everybody else is signing. At least he play. knows that it's money. Talks about the tournament and talks about NIL. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's hit the other one on the NIL. Well, there's a couple opportunities there. One is obviously we're going to talk some with the folks in Washington about this, and there's a fair amount of appetite to try to de- deal with this. They've been hearing from a lot of the same people I've been hearing from. Um, but I think it's incumbent on the NCAA to also develop a program that we believe we could implement uh, if, the, if the feds can't actually put something together on their own. The only problem with it is um, if the feds do it, all 50 states comply. If we do it, we have to perhaps nudge some states and their collegiate programs into participating because they may have state laws that don't require that they play. So that was courtesy of CBS. Barkley crushed it then um, right afterwards, and he was ready to pounce. Um, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's better in his voice. I can't do his voice, but he said, quote, did he say we're going to ask the politicians to help us? See, that pisses me off already. Our politicians are awful people. He continues. Uh, he said, I'd like to see a committee together of, of, and Clark would be on the committee. I think that's probably pretty smart to get somebody like that who would know to get a player. And honestly, Clark, love him to death. He's probably even a little too removed. Billis would like to be on the now. committee. I bet. Billis would die to be on the <laughs> committee. He would die to be. Um, see, I, I think the thing with Clark, though, is with Billis is there's a lot of passion there. And there's just been a lot of, from Billis, shots taken at, at, at the NCAA over the years. And they've been deserved shots, but it's like to kind of fix this with inclusion of the NCAA. And I'd be okay if you put them in a rocket ship and sent them to Mars. Yeah. But if you want to bring them in on this, you kind of need someone that brings people together. And that does fit the mold of Clark Kellogg, like that could bring people to the table. Yeah, for that sure. isn't a politician. So, like, Billis might be a little too divisive in terms of the NCAA would be less likely to work with him because he's just crapped on him for the past 20 years. And again, deservedly so, because they're the worst. So a couple of things that he, that uh, Baker touches on here that I I thought were pretty interesting. He's actually incredibly candid. If you can read through the nonsense, Um, consumer protections, 
uh, transparency and accountability. So the one thing that he's, that he's talking about the NIL and he's talking about trying to protect, again, he used the word, the quote, student athletes on this, trying to protect the student athletes. The student athletes are protected in the sense that there is nothing binding them to a school based on an NIL collective. There's nothing. You can do it. You, any one of these state laws, they, they can bounce in, in that sense. Like, I think what you're trying to say is if you promise a kid money, how do you make sure he get it? So that's the Jaden Rashada stuff, the, the kid down in Florida. Um, and so he wants some transparency on that. I, I think that would make sense. So he, then he talks about uniform rules. Well, we've talked about uniform rules. Um, this is when he gets off the rails a little bit. He says, we got to talk to our folks in Washington. These, these people are hearing the same complaints I'm hearing. No, they're not. They're not. Um, these people spank you every time you get in front of them. And if you go to them and think that they're going to help you, they're not, which is why Chuck had the response that he had. He continued when he said, when he used the line, it's incumbent on the NCAA, but then he was also very aware. And this is the first time I've ever heard an NCAA president say this. He said, the problem with that is if the feds do it, it's universal. If we do it, then we have to coerce states. Good luck with that. Well, I don't know. Maybe do you see how feckless all this is because you waited but also maybe look at each individual state law and make sure you come up with ones that do have that work within the laws of the states that the NCAA is president. Start he's there. Gonna, he's going to be on, on the treadmill books. again. <laughs> yeah, he's get, it's just going to be a treadmill of wasting time and committees and lawsuits and over and over and over again. Um, th- look, the only way to to really do this is what we've said all along. But and there's there's one other thing that's that's really important. You almost have to create a new set of of bylaws. And you have to say to whoever's going to be involved in this, and this is going to, this is why this is going to be from the conference level, not the NCAA level, because Charlie Baker can't possibly have the best interests of Ohio State and Xavier and walk it, or good Lord, you can even go smaller than that. I mean, you can't have the same interests from Ohio State and Ohio Wesleyan. Those two things, you can't represent those two. They're not the same. And so for, he's, he's got no shot here. But the the, commit, the conferences can, and the only way that they can get their arms around NIL is to say, these are the rules that we're going to play under, and we don't care what your state laws are. If you want to play in the college football playoff and the NCAA basketball tournament, then these are the rules you have to play by. That's the only way. And if, That's the only way. And Sankey part of that is going to have to be revenue sharing to keep them out of court. It's going to be very important that Sankey and whoever the Big Ten hires next can find a way to see eye-to-eye because if the Big Ten and the SEC do it, the rest of the major conferences follow. will follow because those are the two leaders in football, and that's the most important sport. And even Charlie Baker almost alludes to that by what's the most important thing to you. Well, for starters, this basketball tournament that's going on right now because they don't have any hand in fo- the football that makes money at the very least. No. So before this Charlie Baker career politician, and it does feel like he has a, an air to him that he thinks he can be the guy to get this to work. And it also feels like it's going to take one or two federal smackdowns of the NCAA before he realizes it's just the way you're trying to do it isn't going to work. Like yeah. they might have to put him in a body bag before he realizes like, oh, maybe it's maybe it's a little different. He's going to cash checks for two million, three million a year for the next two or three years. And he's going to hand it over to another six year old dude who's been in a job like this for a long time. It's, it's just repetitive. There's not going to be any change. It's going to look the same. And, and until those two conferences say, we got to get our handle on this and this is the way to do it. This is what it's going to be. It's going to take um, the leaders I will, outside of the NCAA to change the NCAA. For sure. Yeah. The, the best chance. The, the one thing I will say, and this is a step in the positive direction, is is he acknowledged that 
while saying that wa- that we're going to try Washington, acknowledged that that's not likely, and for us to do it is very difficult. So that's the first time that we've had a president be that candid about the realities of the situation. So if you're looking for positives, I suppose they're there, but boy, it's slim pickings. Uh, the biggest money makers the NCAA tournament, they're crushing it. They got games tonight. We'll take a quick look at uh, what you can expect on the docket tonight. That's coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. We're known for three things. Games, conversation, and common man yelling about things only he cares about. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. I love that TBS window, by the way. And it seems like in both nights they gave us the game I'm most interested, at least selfishly, is the early game. So I, I was looking to go State Alabama. And then the, the one that's the second is the one that's late. So Texas Xavier is late. Um, that's interesting. So they did that to you again. So you give you San Diego State, Alabama. You got Miami and, and Houston. You've got Princeton and Franklin. San Diego State, Alabama's the CBS game at 9. Miami and Houston, the CBS game at 15. And then Xavier and Texas at 945. So that is the, uh, that is the select tonight. You, you can start to count here and you're talking about three power five programs left on this side of it. It's Alabama. It's Miami and Texas. Um, everybody else is not. From a television perspective, you're you're in a network executive running this thing. Good lord, you're, I suppose you want Alabama, even though that's a mess. You, you probably want them just from the. the it's name an interesting mess. It's yeah, I suppose. I, you know, you don't I want guess it would be Pac-12 member San Diego State. <laughs> no, I don't think you do. Plus, they're rock fight team too. They like are. They're going to want to play in the. That's why I think this number, the number on this, I think Alabama was. I looked this morning. Alabama was favored by seven and a half. That's what Superbook Sports has it as. Yeah, yeah I I could see that being a, a fifty seven fifty two. If Alabama can keep the pace up, because San Diego State's really good at defense, as you mentioned, a rock fight team. But if you can keep the pace up, remember when the Buckeyes played them in Maui, and that was like their best like fast break game of probably the entire season. And Alabama's capable of that. That's going to make it tough for the Aztecs. Yeah, if they can dictate pace, you know that that will be the key to that thing. Houston is well; it's going to be a lot of interest on Sasser. Like, what's his? What physicality does he have? How healthy Says he's can he be? Ninety percent. Yeah, he I, Miami will be game. They will absolutely be game for that one. Um, Creighton and Princeton. I mean, we've never had a. When's the last time an Ivy team got to the Sweet Sixteen? Has that ever happened? I'm sure it happened in the '40s when they were winning a bunch of stuff, but it's been a very, very long time, at least in the traditional bracket. Creighton's one of those programs that's been really consistent for a long time. Doug McDermott's dad's the coach there. Um, but they Sean McDermott. Yeah, there you go. Um, so they they get all the way, and and they are they're a big favorite. I think a ten point favorite over Princeton tonight. The problem with Princeton would be just be they're going to keep pace slow. So that's what's always tricky on those big spreads when you when you think about Princeton. But Creighton would certainly have all the talent in the world. I think Nemhart's brother, the kid who played at Gonzaga, pretty sure his brother plays for Creighton. Wow. Guard from Gonzaga last year, plays for the Pacers. Um, and then Texas is is the other one that Texas Xavier tonight. Is there any Ohio? Rooting on that one? No. Nah, do anything for you? Not. Cincinnati not feels like Xavier. Kentucky to me sometimes. Yeah. not a, Maybe UC would get me, but I don't even know anybody who went to Xavier. I know plenty of kids went to UC, so there's a little bit of Bearcat love for me. One other thing, you mentioned the, you know, the brother from Gonzaga and stuff, and it made me think of 
the 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 two brothers. So you had Hauser at Michigan State, yep. and they also their guard. He he's a transfer as well. Now Hauser actually is one of the few people I've seen actually it was before the transfer portal was like fully open. He yeah. actually did sit out the year, but it was really odd to me how much they kept hitting during the Michigan State game. How Michigan State they told coaches, "Oh, don't go and get any transfers. They don't need them. They have all these guys." But then like the two most important players. Are former transfers. They're not from yeah. last year, but no. I, I thought that was a weird because then they mentioned Hauser having played at Marquette later in the broadcast, and I was like, "So what story are you trying to push?" Yeah, <laughs> what's <Both>. the narrative? <laughs> Whichever one's convenient. Um, it's going to be what'll be a test. I will think that. So the the average audience last week in the first round was nine million, which is nuts across all platforms. So that's True TV, Turner. Uh, both the Turners and CBS. The fact that they averaged nine million through all those platforms in the first weekend was absolutely crazy. I'll be very curious to see because you don't have there aren't blue bloods here, there aren't. So are are people still just into this? My hunch is they are. Almost no matter who is in it. Now that would need to stop at the Final Four. Like they need Marquise Noel to get to the Final Four. You can build a Final Four programming around somebody like him. If you're running CBS or TBS, whoever has it next weekend, you need, you want Kansas State, you want Alabama, you want Texas, and you want Gonzaga. Texas or Houston are interchangeable, and you want Gonzaga. Those are the four that you want in the, in the Final Four next week from a rating standpoint, for sure. Do you think, Bo, this is more of a TV question, but sure. you, you know more about TV than me. I'm assuming this is the case. Do you think True TV has to completely take the these weeks, or at least especially last week, out of their normal ad sales and just sell it individually? Completely different of how they sell yeah. their normal package of ads. For sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't this imagine is, True TV individually sells it. What's this week where you guys go from 900,000 <laughs> viewers a week to 9 million? <laughs> yeah, who owns True TV? Is that Paramount? Turner? Turner? Oh, yeah. Turner owns True TV. Um, yeah, so th- whoever that is, that would be they'd be selling that bundle entirely. But yeah, whoever the normal True TV sales guy is, he gets he's off these weeks. <laughs> he can't he can't sell the first weekend of the tournament. And they're not selling a bunch of Life Alert during the tournament. No, not not at all. Um, we will. Uh, we've got it. We'll we'll take a quick break from the hoops. Get into some football. Buckeyes with the first full padded practice scrimmage of spring set for tomorrow what does ryan day want to see from his quarterbacks we'll get into that coming up next bishop and friends right here on the fan during this 10 second promo rothman will lose money gambling on something people like you come here and blow the family nesting that built this town rothman and ice weekdays from noon to three the fan taking the art of sports radio and day drinking to a whole new level you're listening to bishop and friends uh i i love mike the Great he's going. Uh, he's John he's Snow. Having, he really is. And the Boltons are coming at him all over the place on Twitter. Yeah, and unfortunately, he's getting the same war advice that John Snow got. Bad, really bad advice. And I don't um, think the Knights of the Vale are coming. Stupid Rick on no. that couldn't run in a zigzag pattern. Starts there, idiot. Yeah, his whole operation. Oh, I'm just going to take on an entire army with a sword. Okay. Is the Big right. Ten Rick on 24 then? hours then? prior, yeah. he said, you have to let them charge us. The Big, he the told big people Ten's that. just he eight to people nine that. Yes. just Right. And instead, no, I'm just going to take the bait. Oh, my God. What an idiot. Absolutely foolish finish to that show. Mike, and so he's, yeah, he's he absolutely is out there on an island, and no Knights of the Veil are coming uh, because I don't know that his sister was smart enough to go sort that out. So he, 
he w- he was salty yesterday when I pressed him about this. Like he, you could tell, like he was kind of he was ready. Now he works for BTN and and he's old school in in every way. And I like that. I love that about him. Uh, love having him on. Um, but he said he just tweeted this about an hour ago. If people are going to keep reciting the no champion from the Big Ten since two thousand and as if it were stairway to heaven, where does that leave Maryland at O two? They somehow didn't keep their title. Really, <laughs> really, this is like when the Big Ten does like. You know, big BTN will do like the legendary Big Ten teams, 95 Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Oh, get the hell out of here. Stop it. Stop it with that. So somebody actually puts him in a body bag on Twitter and they say, I guess the Big Ten is about to claim all of UCLA's titles then too. Sure. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Lou Alcinder, Big Ten legend. Um, now Mike, now this is the part where Mike loses me. So he goes, the antithesis of this is to suggest UCLA's addition doesn't make the Big Ten better. Well, but that's not what he's suggesting. It isn't about making the league better. He's saying you don't get to claim th- what I'm saying and what the Twitter guy's saying is you don't get to claim things for teams that happened before they joined your league. That's the deal. That's the whole operation. You're not going to hear me claiming other than tongue in cheek, claiming USC's Heisman's or UCLA's national titles. Like all of a sudden now the Big Ten's going to be a water polo power. They weren't. Because we had UCLA. Yeah, those things weren't won when those teams were in the Big Ten. Gosh, it drives me nuts. Why? Why? That's just not a. That ain't it, man. Now, had Chicago ever won anything back when they were a member of the Big Ten, we could claim that. Yes. That's a while ago, though. So yeah. probably not too. The the craziest thing, though, but like I, I, I feel like there's been a difference in the Big Ten. Like DeCourcy isn't like too far off in saying that they're still a, a really good conference and they have really good teams. They were. They were that. They Like I said, they used to put teams in the Final Four. They yeah. used to have national runners up. They're not doing that now. And guys are getting bounced in the first weekend or not at least advancing past the Sweet 16. I mean, Purdue's been dismissed, what, in three of the last four tournaments by a double-digit seed. Yeah, what? I yeah, it's been several. I mean, in despite a row. having dudes had... that are NBA caliber players and it, like a factory of seven foot four guys, what, national player of the year. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. don't we see don't, that there's a problem, yeah. you're not. You're, you're trying not to. That's the thing too. It's like clearly there is something wrong, and like we're not calling it out just to hate on the Big Ten, but it's like fix it, change it, do something different. The current iteration of the way they're playing in this conference is not conducive to winning in the tournament. That's the most important thing in college basketball. Yeah. Yeah. He's, it, it's just a losing. There's just no way to win it. And uh, his contention is that the Big Ten has programs who have won national championships, even though they haven't won them when in their league. Uh, you're still, by the way, it, so that's the difference between 2000 and 2002. So even if you want to claim Maryland, that's still 20 years, man. And where's by the way the better the best argument for that is Maryland ain't that anymore. They haven't been that since they've been in the Big Ten. Yeah, they came in the Big Ten. It was just like they're it's wildly disappointing because there was a thought that at least you're adding basketball with it's Maryland. It's not Nebraska and... level crap, but it's oh you thought you didn't do it, anything. You're right. It wasn't as disappointing as Nebraska, but the hope was that Maryland would stay where they were in basketball. Did I see a stat that Nebraska's never won an NCAA tournament game? It was something like that. One of the power fives. Yeah. Really? I think I remember somebody flat, one of the Turner arms flashed that. Um, but it's like with the Big 12 and their expansion into New York City, I don't know if you saw the news from yesterday yeah, where they want to do exhibition games at Rucker Park. The mm-hmm. Big 12. 
It's like, yeah. well, all right, well, they want to get in the New York market. Take Rutgers uh, while you're there, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think what the big it's it is fascinating how the Big Twelve has said we're going to they're playing to their strengths. They have relative stability in that they are not the ACC and they're not the Pac-12. They're not trying to be the Big Ten or the SEC. So what are we good at? Well, we've got Hall of Famers in basketball, and and we will we will be the basketball conference of record. And it's something that they've stolen away from the ACC. And they've won the last two national titles. And they played for the other one. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it makes a lot of sense that they would be able to do that. Um, look, it, it can be that the Big Ten top to bottom is a really good league and also that it's not elite. Because to be elite, you have to go to the Final Four. And to your point, Chops, eight years ago, it was something that the league was doing. Michigan State was playing for national titles. Wisconsin was playing for national titles. Michigan for national made two titles. Final Fours. Michigan made two Final Fours. We've had that. We've, and they played for a national title uh, with Trey Burke. So they, they've done those things. It's just been a minute uh, since, since they've been able to. And of the Power Five... You know, them and them in the Pac twelve. Pac twelve's even a worse spot. They haven't won a national title since ninety seven. Arizona. Which is pretty wild when you think about it. Now UCLA had a couple of runs under Ben Howland where they got to the big game and they made the final four under Cronin. Wait, so when Arizona goes to the Big Twelve, is the Big Twelve gonna be claiming another basketball <laughs> national championship? They're claiming it. Like the Add Big Ten we, we shouldn't even be considering Minnesota's football championships from the nineteen thirties. So like just stop with that. Stop it. Yeah, uh, yeah, that stuff's always silly. Uh, nothing silly tomorrow. The Buckeyes uh, putting on the pads, going to put on the first scrimmage of spring. We'll get with Tim May here at the bottom of the hour on kind of what everybody's looking for. All eyes, those who can watch, those in attendance, those from the media. You're on the quarterbacks. That's, that's what you're looking for. You want to know who thrives with a little bit of fire around their feet. Um, and And to that end, here is Ryan Day, who is available this week at Pro Day going through what he'll be looking for in the quarterbacks in the scrimmage tomorrow. You know, I've been talking to our guys about making the routine plays routinely. With our players and the skill that we have, um, we don't need an extraordinary stuff. We need people to take care of the football. We need them to, you know, if the first read's there, take it. If not, work on to two, three, and then and then have a plan from there. Um, make good decisions on a run game, take care of the football, and lead the offense. You know, if you're going to turn the ball over, it's not going to go well here, you know, and so we've got to take care of the ball, take care of the ball, but you also know we're going to be aggressive. And that's not just easy to see, a lot easier to say, well, take care of the football, but we also want to go score a bunch of touchdowns. So there's that, that balance that you have to find. And, you know, some guys can find that easier than others. We've been fortunate enough to, to find the guys that get a feel for that. Uh, that's probably a big part of the it factor that people talk about, you know, seeing the field and understanding situations, but. Um, the more game-like situations we can create, the more we get a feel for that, you know. And certainly, taking care of the football uh, and making routine plays routinely is important. This is my amateur psychologist read on how Ryan Day wants the quarterback situation to go, or believes the quarterback situation to go, or in an ideal world, this is what it would be. Because everything that he says is what we have been told and what we have seen from Kyle McCord, right? Make the routine plays routine. He said that. He said, don't make the big mistakes. If you make the mistakes, you won't play. And yet, take take the chances when you got them. Be aggressive, right? So McCord's all, all of those things. Every time we talk to anybody about Kyle McCord dating back to what he was in high school, to what he's been since he's been here in his one start as a freshman, that's what he's been. The layups are layups. Keep them layups. Don't give up. Don't don't make the big turnovers. Don't kill us with turnovers. Be aggressive when need be. I just think what Ryan Day's probably looking for 
and trying to mine out of Kyle McCord is a little bit of that dog, a little bit of that crazy-eyed leader. Um, that's probably what he's looking for. And and Devin Brown probably has some of that naturally coming to him that's part of his makeup a little bit. I think Kyle's probably got some of it too, but he's it's hard, man. You've been sitting behind for three years. How much of a leader can you be? And then all of a sudden it's thrust upon you. Devin Brown's only been here a year. He walks into it from basically from that standpoint, the same spot Kyle's in. They both took a back seat to CJ last year. So they need to get that out of Kyle. I'm guessing that's what they're going to do as spring goes along is to, to try to get that out of him. Um, and then from the Devin Brown perspective, you want all of that playmaking stuff that he can do with his feet, but you need him to also be able to not kill you with turnovers. You need him to make the layups layups. And so that's the thing that they're trying to get out of him. It's pro, it's my belief, my opinion that it's going to be easier for them to get a little bit more dog out of Kyle McCord, a little bit more leader out of Kyle McCord than it is to get Devin Brown in year one in the program to go where they need him to be from a non-turnover standpoint, from a make-the-layups-layup standpoint, from get-the-ball-to-route-man-marv standpoint. That's a much more difficult road to hoe is that one. So that's kind of my read on where this thing is right now. Now you got to go do it out on the field. These scrimmages, I think, will be key. But I think most people we bring on feel like McCord has a pretty big step up. I know they like Devin Brown too, but McCord has a step up. That's my read. Just listening to the guys, listening to the coaches, we'll ask Tim about this too. But that feels like where we are right now as we as we enter into a, a big scrimmage on Saturday. It's nice to hear Ryan Day speak, and it sounds like, and I think most coaches would be this way, but you still want your head coach to approach it this way. He doesn't see uh, we're replacing C.J. Stroud as a, as a problem, as this huge thing that they have to overcome. He sees this quarterback competition that they're having as a tremendous opportunity to bring the best out of both of these guys that maybe you can get, like you said, some of that dog out of Kyle McCord. I think also, you know, playing up a little bit that Devin Brown is a little bit more of an athlete and kind of maybe encouraging Kyle McCord to possibly lean that way a little bit more, more so than CJ ever did. You don't have to become a running quarterback or a dual threat quarterback for that, but again, make the layups layups. When five yards of green grass is in front of you and it's third and four, sometimes just take that. It was funny. This just popped in my head listening to uh, Coach there. He was talking about work through your progressions, but before he said that, he said, if the first read's there, take it. And I just could hear, Ohio State quarterbacks, one-read quarterbacks. It's a system. (laughs) (laughs) Just made me think of that. But you know what? If the guys are open, that's the thing. It's like the the 49ers and what they did with Brock Purdy. I just want to control you like a Madden player because I know the system works and I know the guys around you are super elite and we can get it done with these weapons. Just don't make the mistakes. I mean, the speaking there, and and you don't want to look too much into it because they haven't even had... Uh, an actual scrimmage and we're what week two mm-hmm. of spring ball. It's just like he's he's talking about Kyle McCord. Like he's talking about the right. guy that they can trust and that they can have that control over because they've been able to mold that clay for the past two seasons. So here you go. Devin Brown would be the guy that they would like to have continue to mold this season and then yeah. figure it out next year. I agree with you. I think it sets up wonderfully for them. The, the balance you want is you want Kyle McCord, you want Kyle McCord to grab this job by the throat, be the starter for this year and next. You want Devin Brown to believe he has a future in the program that keeps him here for the next two years. That's the so ask. That's, that's a big, big ask. Big ask. Right. But if he's not, if, and I don't know Devin from anybody, but if he can, if, if McCord's play works, and McCord is great and ends up being a pro, then you can say, look, this is what happens if you do this. And CJ going number one overall might be the the first step to that and say, see, 
Yeah. You just stay. Yeah, that that helps. And I think I wouldn't be at all surprised if next year if it goes that way, if McCord wins it, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a package for Brown. With to use his legs. I would not shock me in any way, shape, or form if there's a bit of a oh, I thought you were talking NIL package. Keep him around. Well, that too. <laughs> that too. Get organized. Um but whoever the quarterback is, this season is going to come down to the defense more than anything else. Um it is going to fall at the feet of Jim Knowles, but it's going to be the greatness of this team or lack of in many instances is going to be built up front on the defensive line. There is pedigree there. There just needs to be output there. Larry Johnson was available. JT Tuamolo was available. Jack Sawyer. We'll hear from all of them coming up next. Bishop and friends are here on the fan. We aim to punch you in the face with as many games as we can. You're home of the Buckeyes, Blue Jackets, Crew, and Browns. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Sports conversation that's worthy of a toast. Or at least a stiff drink. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. And my friends, you tired of getting fleeced by the credit card companies? How'd you like to be credit card debt free? I know that you would. Neighbor lender can do it for you. Neighbor Lender now offering fast, easy home equity loans. You can borrow against your home without an entirely new refinance. You keep that primary loan intact, but tap your equity to get the cash that you need to pay off your credit card debt right now. Or pay off other high-interest debt. Get yourself on better financial footing for 2023. With a home equity loan, you can access up to 95% of your home's value if you want to. And you probably won't even need an appraisal. Rates have come down. It's a fantastic time to act. This part's important. I'll reiterate it. Neighbor Lenders Home Equity Line of Credit can let you tap a specific amount of your home's equity without touching your low primary mortgage rate. Call Neighborhood Lender right now. Stop the fleecing. Wipe out that credit card debt. The number six one four eighty two loan. That's six one four eighty two loan. Neighborlender.com, six one four eighty two loan. Neighbor lenders and equal housing lender. NMLS six nine three four nine and subject to lender approval. Whoever the quarterback is, the offense is going to be pretty dang good uh, around here next year. I think you can absolutely book that. The the key is going to have to be on the defensive side, and can we get elite again at getting after the quarterback? Certainly saw flashes. Uh, JT Tuomolowau was incredible in the Penn State game, but that needs to be consistent. He needs to be a game wrecker. So does Jack Sawyer. They were the two highest-rated defensive ends in their class when they came in, um, and they're both entering their third season. There is some pressure on both of them. The man watching over all of it is the very capable Larry Johnson. Let's start with him and his biggest goal in spring camp. I think we have to build some depth. I think that's the key right going into the spring. We have to build some depth on the inside. I feel pretty good about the inside. I think we have some strong depth there. Now we've got to build an end position. Uh, we've had that in the past, and then the first time we've got to go build that again. So I'm looking forward to see what happens in the next 14 days. You want that depth, but you also want your best players on the field, and that has been a criticism uh, of Larry Johnson from time to time, that sometimes he's playing too many guys up front. Um, we'll see where that goes. Um, this will really all come back to JT Tuomolowau and Jack Sawyer and what they can be. Um, let's start with JT on what he's working on this spring. Just uh, staying consistent, you know, trusting myself and uh, trusting Coach Jay and, uh, you know, staying consistent can, you know, I feel like uh, with me, I always want to, I always have room for improvement, you know, no matter if it's good or bad, you know, I always have, always want myself to grow, you know, just uh, stay trusting Coach Jay, trusting the union and just having fun with everybody. In an ideal situation, you have a meet at the quarterback between JT and Jack. JT saying that they have a very healthy competition. Let's hear him on that. Me and Jack are like the same same type of people. We're always competitive, you know. No matter, like I said, no matter if it's good or bad, we'll always we we'll always feel like there's there's something we could we could even do better. And you know, that's just the competitive nature in us. You know, Jack is is getting better, and we're all getting better. He's he's pushing me too. So you know, I thank him and and, and then love him for that. But you know, Jack, you know, always love Jack. He's always he always has that go mode. 
<laughs> Jack is, is before we get to him, of course, he was most notably last year, not a defensive end. He was in that Jack position. Uh, they moved back from that this year. Let's go back to Larry Johnson. Here's him on why they moved Sawyer back to D end. Just evaluating it, you know, just a conversation with coach and say, hey, I think it's best for Jack, you know, go back to the line of scrimmage. And, and I think we got another guy can probably play to Jack and let him put his hand in the ground, let him go rush. And uh, that's why we, you know, we brought him here to do that. And I thought that it was a good experiment, but now let's go play football. And I think that's uh, the best position for him. He feel happy where he's at, and that's important too. And here is Jack Sawyer on feeling happy being back at defensive end. I think it's good to, you know, get back and work on the fundamentals of, you know, being a defensive end this spring. And uh, we'll see, you know, when the fall rolls around, uh, you know, what all that entails. So I'm excited for it. One thing I like from JT Tuimolo as we were playing those cuts is I feel like the word competition came up with him a lot. One against Jack Sawyer, which is great. Those two, you know, iron sharpens iron. Those two can go up against each other. They're going to be going up against new tackles this year. So that'll also help those guys, which is, which is good to know. But the, uh, the other thing he mentioned as far as competition goes is competing against himself, measuring himself against himself. Well, that bar is really high because you have to look to people aren't going to say that's the best game we've seen from JTT unless you can match one of the best games we've ever seen defensively, not at Ohio State, in the history of college football from him last year against Penn mm-hmm. State. And you got to measure yourself against that every day. And he seems like a guy who wants to do that, wants to say, can I get back to that level? I want to get back to that level. Let's have games like that where I'm a complete game wrecker and you want to see that. And Larry Johnson also spoke of working on depth and getting guys good, especially in the middle. If mm-hmm. we can get a little bit more push up the middle and we've seen you know Tyleek Williams he he had a, a pretty good year as as a freshman those kind of guys if they can if they can work their way up to the level that we know they can play at but be there consistently and you can get just pressure up the middle that makes the job of the guys on the edge that much easier I know they want to talk about depth um yeah. all and be able to rotate guys in and out on the defensive front but I don't know how many plays I want or I would expect for success to have Jack Sawyer and JT Tuimolo not on the field. They like, need to be. How, how many situations yeah. are going to be like, all right, let's start rolling guys in and out. It's like, not those two. Yeah. Nope. Sometimes it happens. It happens. You know, it's happened in the first and second quarters of tight games. We've seen it where it's like a big drive at the end of the first. It's like, boy, run that right back. I know that there's, you know, you're trying to, play the big game here, but no, I, I do think it's time for, for those guys to elevate. I mean, it's year three. Jack Sawyer didn't play his senior year of high school. Remember that was in the COVID thing, but he came to Ohio state early. Um, so he's been here a while. These guys have been around. Um, and so you, you do need them to take that next step. Um, and then you need this all to work in concert, right? Like you need the corners to be better. The corners are going to be better if the defensive ends get to the quarterback a half second quicker. Um, the defense are going to, defensive ends are going to get to the half second, going to get to the quarterback a half second quicker if the coverage is better on the back end. So I know the linebacking play is going to be really good. Coach there's pretty good. Beyond that, the talent's pretty good at the linebacker position. Steele and Tommy are back. So you feel very confident about what you're doing there. Um, but the thing that separated Ohio State, starting with the urban era through, was corners and DNs. And we have not been at that level for the last four or five years, probably. So that's the thing that's got to get sorted out. And that is one of the biggest jobs of this spring and certainly of next fall. It feels like these guys have the pedigree to be able to play to that level, but they actually have to do it.
Real quick, Chops. One more cool thing I think to look at for from JT's standpoint when you're talking about, oh, don't cycle him out. Well, maybe cycle him down to like a three technique. Let him play a little bit inside and bring in another defensive end if you want somebody else to get reps. That's JT's a NASCAR big package. To play inside. Yeah. yeah, yeah, NASCAR package in, in passing downs where you go with the 3D ends up front. I mean, that's... Sure, but they got to stay on the field. That. Yeah, they do. Uh, we'll ask Tim May about this and other things coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. An ex-jock. And a very puffy, smooth-faced man. These are the first voices you should hear. Morning Juice. Your wake-up service. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9. The Fan. Drink recommendations, movie reviews, sports discussion, and whatever the hell Reeser does. This is Bishop and Friends. Well, let's head on to the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Visit with our great friend Tim May, the Tim May Podcast. Let him row, and right here at the Fan, joining us. Um, hey, you were at uh, you were a pro day over uh, early. Was that yesterday? No, Wednesday. Wednesday, uh, you were a pro Wednesday. day. Yeah, yeah. Um, what what jumped out to you? <laughs> what jumped out to me? Ohio State might have the uh, might have the. This is what jumped out to me initially. Is Ohio State might have. The, the first picks in both the 2023 and 2024 draft. <laughs> Cause, uh, Receiver you know, number one would be something else. It's been since what? Keyshawn oh my, Johnson since we've had that? Oh, oh yeah, man. I mean, it, it, I mean uh, Bo, this guy is special. I'm talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. He is mm-hmm. without a doubt special. And every time you see him, uh, it seems like he's gotten better at something, you know? And it's funny, I was talking to, I did a story with Carson Hensman, the guy who's contending for the, starting center's job, you know, which is up mm-hmm. for grabs. And uh, and he was talking about – he grew up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin and about mm-hmm. how early he got up every morning and went to work and all that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, and then he said – it basically made uh, – and I'm paraphrasing here. He goes uh, – he, he tries to get the woody as early as he can. He goes, but basically he never beats Marvin Harrison Jr. He thinks he lives there. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's – you know, a guy who – who could just coast through life is doing anything but. And I'm talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the other thing is C.J. Stroud. I, I said this before the uh, – I wrote this before the uh, combine about C.J. Stroud versus uh, Bryce Young. I think both of these guys throw the ball basically the same in terms of how good they are. Mm-hmm. And But then you add C.J. Stroud's about five inches taller than Bryce Young and can move when he has to, and, and then he put on his show. I mean, I, I, I don't understand why there is a uh, debate on which one of these guys should be the number one should be the number one quarterback off the board, you know, projecting who's going to be the greatest pro ever. You and I both know that's folly, right? But uh, just yeah. based on just physical, physical ability and then physical stature, you know, CJ checks off all the boxes. And Bryce, as good as he is, and he is really good, you know, misses on a couple. You know what I mean? So Yeah, no, I do. And I think one thing that's interesting, and that we this kind of started at the combine, and it's now full speed ahead, but a lot of the people that break down like quarterback play were saying that there was a big gap between Bryce and CJ. And then it was like they went to the combine and they talked to NFL teams, and NFL teams were like, ah, actually, there's not, because now they're like yeah. retroactively changing their analysis. And they're like, oh, actually, if you just watch the Georgia tape, right. it kind of has everything that you have. Right, exactly. They're all, yeah, they're all, uh, it's kind of them epiphany moments for these guys yeah. who, Kind of like, you know, this is no offense, but they kind of copy each other, you know? And I, sure. I can understand it to a certain extent, but then they try to like add a little flourish of their own about why Bryce Young, you know, is blah, blah, blah. And then, they, then they see him up close and personal and uh, and go realize that CJ, and CJ's upside, I think, is still ahead of him. Uh, that's the other mm-hmm. thing. I mean, 
we, we've seen this guy grow physically. I mean, physically from a height standpoint, weight standpoint, arm strength standpoint over the last three years. But then, uh, mentally, he, you know, he's just on top of the game as anybody else coming out. I'm talking about his ability to, uh, decipher what's going on in front of him fairly quickly. And, uh, so that's what you have to do. That, that, that is always the difference, uh, when it comes to the making the jump from college to the NFL. And you don't really know what you've got in that realm until realm until about three years later. Yeah, that's the hard thing. Is and I was saying this uh, on C, on Wednesday when CJ in, in advance of CJ's pro day. Like for me, the last three of those guys, you know, I would have had coming out of Ohio State, I would have had Fields one, Stroud two, Haskins three. But part of my Haskins three was also the benefit of having spoken to an NFL general manager who said, "Look, this this is what we see with Haskins in in terms of the tight window throws." Um, yeah. And so I I had that information by the time I'm talking about in March of of Haskins draft eligible year. So gotcha. that's probably why I would have Dwayne third in that. But uh, coming out, you could have made an argument about any of them. And so that that's the thing with. What CJ has a chance to do, though, Tim, like we've never had a quarterback go number one overall at Ohio State. No. We only had three guys go number one overall, period, in the history of the program. Yeah, you know, Arch Leister, I where he went, but you know, he was in the same class with Elway up there, right? And uh, or so, went fourth. Yeah, yeah, but but my point was, uh, you're exactly right. And and Bo, you know, that's a little bit of a you know skewed kind of like um, deal, only because who needs what, you know? And they're going to trade up to get it, you know, like Carolina's yeah. done. You know what I mean? I mean. Uh, Obviously, in my opinion, Chicago already had his quarterback, and they had to make a deal because you'd be wasting it taking a quarterback, or or you'd be wasting it. Uh, you might you can get more bang for your buck if you trade down, which is exactly what they did because they need more. They need everything almost but a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. I mean, but but it does say something because remember that uh, there was a book I read a long time ago called Meat on the Hoof. You know, and it was mm-hmm. all about. Uh, uh, a franchise quarterback kind of guy, and uh, and and it boy, when those special guys come along, you have to grab them, you know, and take your shot with them, and try to build your team around them. And we'll see what Carolina does. I mean, they're whining and dining what the top three guys over yeah. three straight days. You know, I think they're getting. I think they had dinner with Will Levis last night after having dinner with uh, Bryce Young the night before after having dinner with C.J. Stroud the night before that. So uh, they're doing their due diligence on these guys. Yeah, certainly are. We've got a big scrimmage for next year's Buckeye team. First real chance. Pads are on. Get a real look. Yeah. I know all eyes will be on the quarterback. I said this off the top of this hour, Tim. Like, it feels like everything that, I mean, just my amateur analysis of this from afar, it feels like everything Ryan Day is wanting in a quarterback, Kyle McCord has. He just maybe needs him to uptick kind of the natural leadership a little bit more and be one of those. Cause he, there's no question. He wants that position to be leader of team, follow me to freedom guy. And Kyle's had to sit for three years behind CJ in that regard. So that's, that's kind of the one thing that I'm wondering. Where will your eyes go on, on Saturday? And in terms of those two quarterbacks, what are you looking for? Well, where, where my eyes are going first, though, is going to be, going to be the offensive line because, you know, for example, watching maybe Zen Mikulski, or Tegra Shabola going against, uh, you know, JT Tui you know, if yeah. in fact, uh, they get one on one, good on good, as they say. And, uh, you know, three, think about filling in three spots on the offensive line. And, and there are questions, you know, about, you know, whether these guys are up to the snuff. I, I think they're going to be, but uh, these guys are all three of those spots are all projects. Let's put it that way. And, uh, from the standpoint of, of guys you've hardly ever heard of. Uh, so, 
definitely we'll all start with that. But then but then past that, the quarterback's going to be wearing black jerseys, so they're not going to get killed no matter what happens in front of them. Uh, but, yeah, the, it's but it's natural, you know. Who's the yeah. starting pitcher, you know, in baseball? You know, who's the starting pitcher? And uh, does he have his stuff today, you know? That's what you're looking at, and uh, I think that's natural. Uh, but then past that, you know, Cal McCord and Devin – it's funny, Devin has this reddish hair and Kyle McCord, you know, sort of a you know, blonde guy and uh and they, they kinda like act that way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh one's got a little bit of a uh fire to him from the standpoint personality wise, and the other guy it, I'm talking about Kyle McCord is very thoughtful and uh you know, but you know he knows what's going on. Everybody, you know, you ask Marvin Harrison Junior caught passes from him for what, a couple of years in high school. I mean, this guy's definitely got what it takes. Uh and then the leadership part Believe me, if a guy completes uh, four passes in a row, everybody's going to be looking at him as their leader. <laughs> you know what yep. I mean? No matter no matter whether he's standing on the top of the uh, of the trench or uh, yelling from below. So, uh, but it's it's really funny because you know that Ryan Day, who played quarterback in college in New Hampshire, he understands what it means to be the starter, be to be ordained as a starter, meaning by the head coach, because yeah. that brings its own level of leadership uh, of people going, well, maybe the coach believes in him, maybe we should too. But then you don't want either one of these guys leaving after after spring either. And uh, I think it's going to be a pretty tight battle anyway, because I think both these guys are very talented. And uh, it's going to be, you know, uh, an apple or an orange or an apple or a pear or whatever you want to pick there. But I think Cal McCord is ready to step up and do his thing. Let's put it that way. And uh, I agree. I think he moves well enough to be elusive. And the same way with Devin Brown. I mean, Devin Brown was pretty much a, a pocket passer till his um, till his senior year in high school when he changed high schools, moving from Arizona to Utah. You know, he he his first major uh, uh, first major quarterback tutor was Joe Germain. You remember Joe Germain? I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe Germain rarely strayed from the pocket, let's put it that way, at Ohio State, and uh, and hung in there tough. And so that's where he kind of learned the game to a certain extent. And uh, so, but he has elusiveness to him, too. He can, He's probably the better just flat runner. But, but you know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger couldn't run from here to the car in front of me here, but uh, but he was elusive enough in the pocket to get passes off. And I, I think Kyle McCord is somewhere in between those two. I mean, he's definitely got some athletic ability. But, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Thank goodness! I think we're going to get to watch most, if not all, of Good. the scrimmage the media is, and you always like to see it with your own eyes, you know, instead of taking somebody else's word for something. Yeah, I'll get you out of here on this one. Um, I've heard it from a lot of people. They always talk. We've got to find a way to get the best eleven on defense. Boy, it feels to me like everything I'm hearing that Sonny Styles could be one of those eleven, and obviously the pedigree's yeah. there. We know the frames there. Um, he reminds me a little bit from a body type of Isaiah Simmons. The kid was at Clemson a couple of years ago. Um, I, I wonder what's in store for him. What, what do you expect to see out of him tomorrow? And I understand they can't do too much, but it, they will have pads yeah. on, and I would think he would flash in that. Yeah, I think he's got. I think he'll flash in that. I mean, he's definitely one of those couple of guys you've got your eye on who didn't play a lot last year. You know, who were freshmen. Uh, but my but point is going back to what you're saying. He has got. He's got that ability to where you, you, you owe it to yourself, I think, as a coaching staff to get him out there and see what he can do. Let him show you that he's that kind of player you think he is. I mean, there was a little bit of reluctance last year, obviously. You know, he should have been in high school. <laughs> yeah, correct. And, uh, he, was, he took the Quinn Ewers route, you know what I mean, except uh, he was much more effective. 
but uh, you know, he saw him play. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how many snaps, eleven, fifteen snaps in the uh, in the game against Georgia. You know, last game of the year. My point is, he's a he's a guy that ends up in that final frame a lot. You know, I, uh-huh. I always use that that euphemism. But another guy I like to see you know, from a linebacker standpoint who is in that seemingly that same realm is C.J. Hicks. You know, with yep. Tommy Eichenberg having to miss the spring um, to let his hands heal. Thank goodness. Or uh, you know, this C.J. Hicks is a guy that has that same ability, but you got to let him get out there and mess up. You know, before. Uh, you you write them off. I mean, meaning let them make some mistakes. You know, let them yeah. crash the cars. They say in racing. And uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have my, have my eye on both of those guys I, when they're in there. But Sonny Styles is yeah, he could be that Isaiah Simmons. That's a that's a good analogy uh, of a guy you could use a lot of ways in a lot of places. Great talking to you, my friend, as always. Always a pleasure. You know that, Bo. The great Tim May, the Tim May podcast, and right here on the Fan Thing or Not a Thing, coming up next. Bishop and friends, right here on the Fan. Sports, conversation, and Bobby Carpenter dueling cartoons of genitalia. A recipe for success. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Distilled sports discussion served in light beer quantities. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Time for a little thing or not a thing. Hit it, fellas. Thing or not a thing. Sponsored by Apex Plumbing Pros. All right, we'll start out with this from The Athletic. LeBron James' foot tendon injury has begun on-court activity, but the Lakers say there's no timeline yet for return. He is hopeful for a return within the final three to four games of the regular season, sources tell Sham Sharania. Thing or not a thing? They're the nine right now. They're a game out of uh, 500. I suppose they just need to get in the dance at some point. Um, but yeah, LeBron James back would be a thing. Whenever he comes back, it's a thing. They do have some better parts now after the trade deadline. It seems like they did a nice job of navigating that. But yeah, they in order for them to do anything, they need him back for a little, you know, a couple of games before the end of the regular season. Yeah, it does feel like if he can come back for like two or three of their last yeah. couple, I think they've got seven remaining on their schedule the Lakers do so they can get it back a little bit kind of get back into game shape right before they because I do think they'll make the play in at this point um, I know a lot can fluctuate between like five and ten in the yep. next couple of days because I think the play in is the 11th of April um, and then like the playoffs begin on the 15th or the first round of the playoff excuse me so if they can get them at least into a couple of games at the end of the season another schedule in front of me but it would assume to be because it's the west everybody's going to be panicking um, and trying to play at least their best basketball so you get LeBron into some meaningful games right before the play in or if they can you know maybe make a surge without LeBron if Anthony Davis can stay healthy and Bo you're right they got better at the trade deadline they did the playoffs are better the postseason is better with LeBron James so I am hoping that he's able to navigate it. And you'd take the team with LeBron in a possible win-or-die yeah. situation. With, against almost anybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, despite stupid owners crying poor, Forbes says average MLB team values increased 12% over the past year to $2.32 billion. Average team revenue increased 7.8% to $10.3 billion. Most of the money came from a 64% increase in ticket revenue, including the postseason and spring training. Uh, Forbes had its most valuable teams list released on Thursday. The Yankees are tops at $7.1 billion. That's an 18% increase in 2022, Jeez. following the Yankees the Dodgers at $4.8 billion and the Red Sox at $4.5 billion. The Guardians are 25th at $1.3 billion. The Reds are 28th at $1.19 billion. Forbes says Cincinnati operated at a $12.6 million loss in 2022. Thing or not a thing? 
Well, I don't believe that. So when I when I hear baseball teams saying that they operated with a loss, I I don't think that that's true. What because the salary way. of your executives who own the team? Yeah, <laughs> they put it out. So I don't buy that part of it. Um, so I think I, first of all, I'm surprised at how much less the Dodgers are worse than the Yankees, seven point one to five four point eight. I'm surprised that that's not a little bit closer. I'm not at all surprised that the two Ohio teams are in the bottom quartile of uh, bottom third of uh, well, quartile of of, NF, of of Major League Baseball teams at one point three and at, at one point one nine. Um, it's the reality of of those ownership groups. It's a, a reality of those two brands. I think you know the Guardians kind of clunky moved off of indians and wahoo and all of that and ended up in the guardians world and it seems like it's kind of okay right now kids have moved past it quick i know that um but yeah i mean all of this is a thing there's a lot of layers to it i think team values increasing is good no matter what the situation the average team revenue increasing 7.8 percent and the ticket sales increasing 64 percent i wonder how much of that has to do with well, what year are we comparing that to the year where they still weren't full stands or people weren't fully going yeah, out? Because be. last year it was, it seemed like it was pretty much business as usual. But the year before, I can't remember if they what their situation was for social distancing or how many people they brought in, but it had to be affected somewhat in the 2021 season. But either way, if the end result is that the the value of each um, team is going up, anyways then you're in a good spot and good for baseball. They're going to have to figure out their TV stuff, but it's still valuable. People watch it. So we talk about it, at least still locally. The Mark Titus show Twitter passed this along. This is from uh, Providence AD, Steve Napolilo. Napolilo. There we go. Napolilo. Napolilo. There you go. Lilo. I was missing. A, I was missing. Lilo. Yeah. I'm missing a, missing a vowel in there. That, that yeah. was a tough one for me. That is. Here's uh, his shots at Georgetown, though. Quote, should I be going out and hiring another Big East coach? And then another quote, we love the league too much to start that type of carousel. Thing or not a thing? Cry me a river, dude. Hire the best guy. Who cares? Are you kidding? We're not going to hire another Big East coach? Hey, the Big East is the gentleman's league. They don't do yeah, the type great. of things that other leagues Stupid. do in the Big East. Gosh. I saw some media members that cover Big East teams or that work in Big East markets that were kind of getting a little in their feelings with this. Barstool's all over it. Uh, Portnoy was all fired up. He was arguing with Jeff Goodman about it. It was wild. There's no handshake agreement with any of this. Oh, there might be, I guess. There shouldn't be. You'd be smarter than that. Look, you don't want your coach to leave. Pay him more. Coach is going to leave. All right, well... Sorry, that this is business, right? Yeah, if you if you want that type of loyalty, then put in his contract that you won't fire him. You know, yeah. things like that. Like if you could fire him, he can leave. There are simple fixes to this. You just don't feel like doing them, and you're just gonna kind of whine about it once that happens. Um, this was wild from yesterday, where Adam Schefter okay. said uh, the NFL sent a memo to all clubs, letting them know that the NFLPA informed the league that a person by the name of Ken Francis, who is not a certified agent, may be contacting teams and attempting to persuade them. Uh, to enter into negotiations with Lamar Jackson. Uh, and a couple of NFL report, other NFL reporters picked up on this, like Ken Francis is a Florida man, of course he is, who was involved in some other businesses. Kind of feels like a schemy guy, this yep. Ken Francis. But in fact, he is Lamar Jackson's business partner in some ventures. I'll get to in a sec, but Lamar coming at um, Tom Pelissaro saying, stop lying, that man never tried to negotiate for me. But again... They're, they're going to sell the, a portable gym together. Like there's businesses, there's business relationships that Lamar and Ken Francis have that are open. So it's like, who do you believe in this situation? I believe it's all bad for Lamar yes. Jackson. Think or not, I believe. Thing, sorry. 
Yeah, thing, big way. Uh, yeah, he put out the video of him like, I don't know, there's some sort of like shake weight thing that he's out on the field playing with or <laughs> like something. Like a boxing weights come out. It's in a little yeah. roller. You, you yeah. bring it out. Just wherever bring you this need thing it. out, and then, oh, there's your portable gym. I mean, just nonsense. Um, the It reminded me a little. You guys Are are you guys old enough to remember when uh, Britney Spears went off the ledge and there was that dude who was like with her all the time and no one knew who he was? It was like, why is this guy around Britney all the time? And the next thing you know, like within a year, she had shaved her head and was running out of gas stations. Was this Kevin um, Federline or was this somebody no, after him? Well, he was like a bridge to this other yeah. guy. No, there was another guy after Federline who was just even worse. Um, I don't know this Ken Francis guy, but like if you're the Baltimore Ravens and you're, you're, you're going, what are we doing here? By the way, the NFLPA is not sending this out. The NFL is not sending this out if this guy isn't doing this. There's just no way. Like, th- right. This, where would it, they get the happened. name from? Of Anyways, course. this isn't like this is yeah. Maverick Carter, who's somebody who's like known amongst no. like the circle of athletes and people in in the sport. This is just some no. guy. Because there was somebody when we were talking about this the other day that sent in a thing, and they were saying his name is Saint Omni. He's helped negotiate deals for other people, and then it turns out no, it wasn't. It's just some guy that has gotten Lamar Jackson to maybe get in on a business venture with him. And may, even if Lamar wasn't asking, it appears like he was trying to get in touch. And again, this is just. Not a good look. Things that could be solved by having an agent, and when you're looking to sign the biggest yeah. contract possibly in the history of the NFL, you're probably going to want an agent. I think that's where this should head: is get an agent, Lamar. So, yeah, and then it's done. Problem solved, or at least a lot of the problems will be solved. Final hour of the week coming up next. What did we learn? Get you set for tonight's March Madness, plus a fascinating exchange from J- Jason Kelsey on his attempt to lure Joe Burrow to the University of Cincinnati. We'll have that for you, Bishman friends, right here on the fan. An encyclopedic knowledge of sports and other random things you may or may not care about. I think I found my mentor. Rockman and Ice. Weekdays from noon to three. The fan. Our top men are working on everything except this show. This This is Bishop and Friends. Final hour here on a Friday. The uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame Twitter account put up a picture of Sylvester Stallone in high school. Apparently, he's a really good football player in the Philadelphia area. Uh, put it up on their Twitter account and was like, who is this? Very clearly, Sylvester Stallone. And I quote tweeted it, Rambo John Jay. I think I'm probably the minority here. Well, you tell me if you guys could, can you co-sign this? So he's got two franchises. He's got Rocky and he's got Rambo. I prefer, and these, you know, all the, the catalog's incredible. One of the greatest catalogs of all time. The one-off stuff. I mean, like Cobra's incredible. Tango and Cash is just Every it, Tango and Cash is it's not as fun as Roadhouse, but every bit as ridiculous as Roadhouse. Have you seen that one, Chops? No, Tango I've not seen that one. Him and Kurt Russell. I've seen oh the Expendables God. one and two. Yeah, those are far more not measured. The third one <laughs> than this than this. Not Tango and Cash is just out. Jack Palance is the villain. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, they were riding uh, with their noses back then, so they were. There was a, <laughs> a lot of that. So my this is my uh, the the hot take on Sylvester Stallone and his franchises in his career. First Blood is the best movie that he did in that window, and Rambo is the most important franchise. I'm sorry, Rocky's the most important franchise for him. That that's first, that's First Blood can stand on its own. First Blood, probably. I mean, you could that thing is 90 minutes sprint straight through. And holds up to this day. Now, do you mean most entertaining? Because I believe Rocky best, won most entertaining. Best Picture. So, I know it did, which is a joke. Yeah, it was up but, against. It was up against some pretty some ridiculous. Heavy it's, it's not even the best Rocky. Rocky one is not even the best Rocky. Which You're Rocky? right? I think it did win Best Picture. Which Rocky's the best Rocky? 
My favorite is four. Yeah, that's, I, I, that, that I, should be your favorite. Yeah, it's my favorite. I think the one that's um, the one that I think three is the one with Mr. T. I think that's the one that most people think is the best. Yeah, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan's in that one too. He is not Paul. Hulk He's is. Thunderlips. <laughs> He's Thunderlips. Yeah. yeah, brother. Yeah, and I took. I probably had more. I was more definitely more of a rock a Rambo guy than a Rocky kid growing up. We was. I think it was probably that whole Soviet thing, like any sort of thing where there was war. I was in. I'm. I'm in. So I definitely saw the Rambo's more than I saw Rockies growing up. Did which you know? Is, he, I think an anomaly. Did you know he within the last few years re-edited Rocky Four and it's a little bit more of a serious tone and he completely got rid of the robot as well and he like released that. He did what now? He like re-edited the footage and made a different of cut of, of Rocky Four. I'm pretty sure that's the one with the robot, right? Yeah, because that was kind of the big headline of it. Is like he just completely got rid of the robot. Oh really? Yeah, there's like a robot waitress thing that Polly was like awkwardly hitting on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was kind of weird. So he just took all that out. I mean, Rocky Four has the audacity to. I'm pretty sure it just goes music montage, workout music montage, like two minute scene, workout music montage. You didn't even hear. <laughs> it's in the background. It's good I had stuff. this. I had this lunatic that I played uh, high school sports with, who he had on a on a cassette tape had dubbed "Eye of the Tiger" with the movie audio under it, so you could hear Stallone grunting, <laughs> and would use that as his hype. Like he would have this ridiculous Walkman on, bouncing around. I'm like, dude, we're playing hoops. I don't know that I need you to go take on the Russians. Yeah, football fine. You can you can do that, but I need you a little more measured. Hey, where you grew up though, you could get into the mountains and go and throw. You could you could throw wood and do whatever you needed to do. Yeah, yeah, you definitely could. All right, what are we learning this week? Hit it, boys. We're not trying to do too much around here, but over the course of five days, you might have gleaned some stuff. Bishop and friends present what we've learned this week. Quite a bit. When you think about it, it's always interesting when you get to this point in the week and you look back on the week that was, and there was a lot going on. There was the realization, and I think if you do it chronologically, you, you the, the realization on Monday as you look back on week one of the NCAA tournament, two things. Number one, this thing is still a bonanza. Uh, I remember saying on Monday's show, like it felt like everybody I was talking to was into the tournament, and then when the ratings came out, turns out that's was real. They were. Everyone was watching it. It was on. Um, it captivated the nation as only it could. It's one of the strange things. It's kind of a little bit like, I think, the World Cup for a lot of people, where they might not pay attention to club soccer year-round, but by the time it comes to the World Cup, they're all in the ratings there. And I think the same is true of March Madness. I don't know if there's a lot of people who follow college basketball from November until the end of February, but by God, in March, we're in, and the ratings were huge. That, juxt- that in addition to another failure for the Big Ten where the Big Ten doesn't get to the second weekend, does not get out of the Elite Eight. Michigan State was the only team that moved on. Um, We talked at length about some of the issues with that. Obviously, elite talent is a big part of it. The other thing, I think, is the style of play and the way the league's officiated. Yeah, the the tournament, as you were going through that and talking about it, like compared to the World Cup, what if instead of expanding the tournament, they expanded a week of like group play, and then that helped them with the seeding as well? So you get more teams in the group play. Two of the, oh, the teams yeah. from each group get eliminated. And then you do that with the seeding. I wonder if people would do better in the brackets. If you get that extra week of seeing teams play and you're a little bit more locked in, you might actually know some things about the team. That's one thing I learned is that uh, in the first round, you can say superlatives about teams 
And if nobody calls you on it, it'll just sit there and you can pretend like you're right. Because <laughs> my buddy's wife, he was like, she was like, she picked this team because she goes, yeah, they haven't lost all year. And he's like, that doesn't sound right. And he said he looked it up. <laughs> so then the rest of the day, we were just throwing out things. We we're like, Kennesaw State, you know, they're the longest team in the tournament. <laughs> just nonsense. Nobody calls you on it. Who's fact checking 68 teams? <laughs> yeah. So in the last seven days, and we're not learning this, but it's reaffirmed mm-hmm. that this is the best thing ever. Yeah. There's nothing like, I will always, you know, take shots at that nerd. I don't know his name who wrote the most wonderful time of the year in reference to Christmas. Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> it's the madness. There's nothing that beats this because this gets everybody involved. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're, if you're casual. Doesn't yep. matter if you're not interested in basketball at all. Doesn't matter if you watch every single game, even the weird Tuesday night games on the Big Ten Network that start at 9 o'clock. You are in on this, and you are in on this until the final final game yeah how often the rest of the year do you hear i can't believe fairly dickinson won you tell me about Furman? no nobody can tell you about Furman. oh it was so funny too like the amount of people who go um oh my bracket's a mess they all are here's a hint everybody's is nobody's doing well was a 12th of a percent that had perfect brackets and then purdue Right, and, and then Friday gone. it was all gone. Every bracket that had been filled out, every algorithm, all gone. No perfect brackets. Um, it's it is a beautiful mess, and it's you know it's as we bang on the NCAA for so many things, they do get this thing right. There is something beautiful about a one-off, winner-take-all tournament. Um, it's the knockout stage of the World Cup. It's the NFL playoffs. There's more randomness to it than even that because basketball, by nature, is a random sport. Anybody can get hot. All of a sudden, a kid like Marquise Noel is now somebody that we all know by his first name. That we all know well now. Very well played, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like stars are made in March. Um, And it does does warm my heart when I see an NCAA ad and I see – I know we're familiar with Greg because Greg's been kind of omnipresent here for the last decade or so, whether it was here or now at Butler with that and Deebs and those guys. But, like – to see Greg in an ad with Adam Morrison, like you go, oh gosh, remember those guys that have those runs and were were magical. So uh, Marquise Noel will be one of those guys now, and uh, we're halfway to to filling out the Elite Eight, and there's one Power Five in the mix, and it's probably if you're doing least valuable branded Power Five teams, Kansas State is definitely in the conversation. It's definitely in the bottom third of least valuable branded Power 5 brands. So um, the fact that they're there with him, Jerome Tang's been a revelation. The coach, that guy's awesome. Anytime he's at a mic, I listen. It's fun. I also learned this um, when Mike uh, DeCorsi was retelling the story of talking to Jerome Tang, and he said, I need him to, for 30 minutes, to hunt like a lion and for 10 minutes to hunt like a tiger, and then explained that lions hunt in prides and tigers go fend for themselves. I was unaware. I've always heard pride of the lion, but I didn't realize that they were as organized, like more like wolves, um, and then that tigers were more like bears, because that's how bears go. Bears go one at a time out to do their hunting, um, and lions group it up a little bit. So that was that's a fun analogy, and that's one that I'll be using in youth sports next year. Um, we also had Pro Day at Ohio State, C.J. Stroud. I think we felt, it almost seems like a lock, he's going number one overall. It felt like that almost before it was heading that way. The Pro Day feels like it put it over the top. The interaction between him and Josh McCown, to me, was the most telling. Just the chumminess between the two of them. It feels like he's the guy. It feels like a fit. All the signs seem to be pointing that. You bring both of the Teppers come to watch him, too. And I understand that they also went down there and they, they watched Bryce Young and the, that whole group and everything. But it 
does feel like, and this is a little bit subject to you know the Twitters we have and who we follow, but it does feel like there was more Panthers momentum towards CJ than there was towards Bryce Young yesterday at his Alabama Pro Day. They were there, and there was people talking about it, and it was interesting, but it just felt like after that, that... That video of them there, and then him talking to Josh McCown and being like, oh, we got to find a court and play horse. And he says, well, let's go do it. And he says, no, when we get down to Charlotte. And like, sure, that could be like anytime you're in Charlotte, just give me a call. But it also sounds a little bit more specific than that. Well, yeah, and like CJ, they'll take visits. I think it was might have been Jackson uh, who was talking about some of the visits that he's going to go take in the next couple of months. We'll actually go to team facilities and they'll walk him around. So I did, I did see some of that floating around. It's like, well, why would he invite him to Charlotte? I'm like, well. They do that for almost every prospect that they're really, really high on. But yeah. it's also like we've all got eyeballs. And it's like now we're just starting to use our brains, it feels like. It, it, like the rest of the country, like the, the rest of the football viewing populace. Like We didn't yeah. learn anything this week about CJ Stroud because we've already known this. Like the rest of the country is now starting to catch up with all of this. I think it was – I think that it speaks to, and I've alluded to this many times during this week, that there's a lot of groupthink. When it comes to the mock draft season and the player ranking season. Bunch of sheep. And, yeah. And it wasn't really until the combine that they were like, You are aware you are aware that CJ Stroud played against Georgia. Like that tape exists. You can go watch it. And it wasn't like it's like at the combine that became a reality. Greg Cosell was the first one that I remember at the combine being like, I think CJ Stroud's the best quarterback in this draft. And now all of them are like retroactively coming to that point, Reese. I saw a lower third yesterday uh, of some talker talking head. I don't know which network it was on, but saying that Stroud's performance against Georgia was the most NFL comparable play any quarterback had had this season. It's like, yeah, yeah. And they said that yesterday, like it was some novel concept. Yeah, we we watched. I mean, how do you miss Ohio Peach State ended Georgia on January one? I think we were January three, blabbering about that. Yeah, but Bryce would, Young didn't have to play in a windstorm at Northwestern and put up average numbers. So that's true. No, he did it. Um, one other thing we learned, and uh, we believe we had that the Browns were going to go into the draft having everything sorted out. They were not going to go into it from a position of need. They did. They get Elijah Moore this week. Great trade for them. Uh, move back thirty picks to end up with a guy who um, certainly there's a six game stretch his rookie year um, with the Jets with Flacco where he was really, really good and they believe that they can unlock some things with him. So that was a, a pretty savvy job with them in free agency or rather via trade this week to land Elijah Moore and give them the weapon that they need and now they don't have to go into the draft needing anything. They can draft best player. By the way, wouldn't be surprised if they pick a running back relatively high in this draft as well. I still feel like this framing is the best way to look at it. If you're a Browns fan, it's like, oh, Elijah Moore, why'd we make that trade? We could have used that pick. Would you rather have Anthony Schwartz in a two or Elijah yep. Moore in a three. For I sure. know which one I'd rather have. Yeah, there's, there's no, uh, from I think most rational, there's no such thing as a rational <laughs> Browns fan. Excuse me. From most fans' perspective, there's no faith in this front office to draft and develop talent right now. No. That's they what are you in- need because the Watson window is such. Yeah, they are in a, very clearly, the activities that they've done in free agency and in everything, they're very much in a, we need to go be in the mix with Kansas City and Buffalo and Cincinnati right now. And we have to do everything in our power to do so because the window is now for our best players who we are all paying. The Madness continues tonight, four games on the slate. We'll get you set for that. Take a brief look into the weekend as well. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. Big voice guy here to remind you that you're listening to The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Okay, thanks. I have three more seconds. Uh, bye-bye.
producers, co-hosts, friends. Some of those things are true. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. And Bishop and Friends is sponsored by Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Fast, sustainable weight loss without medications. A solution for weight loss. Awaken 180 Weight Loss. This is on the um, the Jason and Travis Kelsey. I think it's called the Heights in the Heights podcast. New Heights. New Heights podcast that they do. Uh, Jason had Rich Eisen on and told the story or one of the stories about his pursuit of Joe Burrow to Cincinnati, something we all remember quite well around here. Here's his perspective on it. Let's have a listen. I tried to recruit Joe Burrow to Cincinnati. And? Did not work. He went to LSU. And it was the best decision he ever made. When he was in the transfer, like, he was in the transfer portal. And somebody gave me, gave me his number. Yeah? You called him up? Luke Fickle was with him at Ohio State. He helped recruit him. He's like, would you mind? Like, this kid would be like, really good for Cincinnati. I shot him a text. And it was right after our Super Bowl run. He's like, man, you, you guys killed it this year. You had a great speech. Loved it. And I was like, hey, man, yeah, well, best of luck to you. I hope you keep Cincinnati in mind when you're, you're trying to decide where to go. I didn't want to push him right in He ends up going to LSU. 60 touchdowns. Like, <laughs> Cigars. <laughs> I've not seen him since. I mean, hey, great job not taking my sales pitch for Cincinnati. It kind of worked out. Yeah, it worked out really well. Justin Jefferson being there and all, yeah. you know, Jamar Chase and all. <laughs> but he ended up in Cincinnati. He That's couldn't all. get away from That's it. That's all that matters. The Queen City got him back. And how lucky are they? Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. That's funny. Good stuff there on the uh, In the Heights podcast. It's funny now you can look back and have the position that Rich had on that of, well, of course you go to LSU, that Jamar Chase, Jefferson, all of that. Um, but it was, it was the, it, the Onions play at the time was to go to LSU. The safe play was Cincinnati. Um, and when Beam and I and Threes were discussing all of this, my pitch to go to, they both said Cincinnati, my pitch to go to LSU was, that if you can win there, you'll never have to work again the rest of your life if if you win at LSU because they'll take care of you forever. Like the, It was the bigger bet on yourself to go to LSU, but it was not the safest bet. It looks like it now because of the talent, but nobody went to LSU and elevated. There, there wasn't a, that wasn't something that happened. Um, so he goes to Cincinnati. He steps in right away with Luke. Luke would have taken care of him. Luke knew how good he was. All of those things would have lined up. I think what's interesting is would Burrow have been the number one pick in the draft had he just gone to Cincinnati? No, I don't think so either. Yeah, not a chance. He wouldn't because I mean it's it's that season vaulted him into that. Um, I think based on his talent, yeah, it feels like he would have found a way to get into that draft conversation anyways. But just it became unimpeachable what he did that Mm -hmm. second year at LSU. It's yeah. just the greatest season we've ever seen, or at least arguably the greatest season we've ever seen from a college quarterback. He won the national championship, went undefeated, broke records, and won the Heisman. Heisman by the biggest margin. More passing yards than anybody in NCAA history. More passing touchdowns than anybody in NCAA history. He went perfect at LSU in the SEC. One in Tuscaloosa. Like, pretty good. That's that's hard to that that's certainly hard to beat. So I, that was funny. It was good to, good to see that. And it's interesting how like guys like Jason Kelsey were involved with stuff like that. In in the portal all those years ago, like, hey, can you do me a solid? I need you to reach out to this guy and try and convince him to come here. Um, absolutely wild stuff there. You've got basketball tonight, Friday night March Madness preview. Here's what you have to look forward to at San Diego State and Alabama. That's in the 6:30 window. That's a TBS start. I look forward to that one a great deal. Big contrast in styles on that one. Uh, Miami and Houston plays in the second window. That's a 7:15. These are 45 minutes apart on the start staggers. Um, that is a CBS tip at 7:15. Then Princeton and Creighton on TBS 
at 9 o'clock. And finally, Xavier in Texas in the 945 window on CBS. Looking ahead to the weekend, it's pretty wild to think that this is your Elite Eight. Um, the regional final out of the East region will be Florida Atlantic and Kansas State. That's a 609 tip on Saturday Eastern time out of uh, Manhattan, out of Madison Square Garden. And then in Vegas, it will be UConn at Gonzaga at 850. Um, that, boy, that is a, from a, an attendance standpoint, that's scarce because Gonzaga is a small school too. It'll, it's easy to get to Vegas, but it's it's a small school. It's funny that you say they're a small school, which is not incorrect. But basketball wise, I think the low post is going to be a really interesting game. Did you see the height on UConn? They had two guys who were who were quite large out there for yeah. them, and so they're going to be guarding Drew Timmy, who just had thirty six points in the Sweet Sixteen. That matchup inside, I'm going to be really looking forward to. What Gonzaga does with Timmy though is everything is operated out of the high post and him going downhill. So it's always him on the bounce going to the rim, and that allows for to negate some of the height. Timmy's six ten, so he's tall tall enough anyway. Um, but the way that they run everything out of the high post and out of the pick and roll, every single possession with them is that is he comes up and sets a high screen, or they get it to him in the high post, and then he turns one way or another, and they play off of it. That's a fun one. If you're a, if you're a television executive, you're going Alabama. Really doesn't matter with Creighton or Princeton, either one. Um, you're probably a Houston and a Texas, and then when you get into the Elite Eight, uh, the games I just went over, you're Kansas State because Noel is the star of the tournament at this point. You're them and Gonzaga is what you're probably hoping for. If you're a television executive, goes off the rails. If Florida Atlantic gets in, that if they shock Kansas State tomorrow, that's that ain't good for anybody. At yeah, all. and then it's the Princeton one. I think is a little bit scary because I, I saw this stat. So they, I mean, they've obviously already won two games. They made it to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, they have shot as a team like thirty four percent from three for the season, but in this tournament, have only shot like twenty seven percent from behind the arc. So they actually haven't even been as hot as they can be from three point land. That would you can't have that. <laughs> you can't can't have Princeton in the final. We can't four. have Princeton people getting chesty. No. Come on, we can't allow that. It's it's yeah. one thing when it's a, just a random school. Who was it last year with Doug Edert and crew? It was St. Peter's, right? Yeah, that's yeah, fun. They're they're a random school, but no, we can't have that with Princeton. Who's uh who of us is doing the best in the? Because our bracket went to heck. We got shot out of the cannon, I, th- I believe. Yeah, I I uh, I checked. All, I got Gonzaga right, um, but I have a better chance to make up some points today because I have I have Alabama and San Diego State playing each other. So if Alabama wins, okay. I pick up there. I can have Houston. I can have Xavier or Texas. I got that game right. Um, well, I could have Xavier. I picked them, but I have that game right um, initially. So the only thing we I can, can do still do with better. our official nonsense bracket is we do have Texas winning it. It's Texas, yeah. So that's your your best shot. But I can't imagine anyone is doing well in the brackets. No, I'm 315. I think there are about 1,600 entries um, to the All Lions right. Den Fan Tournament Challenge at 971thefan.com. So you're um, pretty good. Yeah, no, it's not bad. Chops is at 620. Uh, Bo, you are not considered fan talent, so not, no, you are not on the leaderboard. Yeah. Um, I but told I am, Scott I – I gave Sh- Scotty a, a screen grab, and I said, well, here it is. Here's the th- – I can't find it. I said, I don't know how – what do you mean you can't find it? Like, I can see it. I'm giving you the name. That that way you can put it in there. I can't find it. Did I you submit you a trouble ticket? I did not uh, submit well. a trouble ticket, but I did. I mean, I, be in I trouble there. 
more direct. But and so I think it, then he was like, "Oh, it really doesn't matter. You're not talent anyway. As long as we get the other two guys on there, that's fine." Because you have talent does not mean yeah. it's so. That's true. A uh, little bit of Shelly time coming up next. Jackets and Isles tonight. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Sillinger's move down to Cleveland. That's coming up next, or up to Cleveland, I guess, as it were. Um, Bishman Friends, right here on The Fan. This Ohio State football spring practice report is brought to you locally on The Fan by Roosters and by your Ohio Kubota dealers. Ohio State football spring practice report. As Ohio State moves into a second season under defensive coordinator Jim Knowles, head coach Ryan Day starts off camp asked about his relationship with Knowles and what he's learned about Knowles' defense. Great relationship. He, um, you know, for me, now seeing a full year of uh, the defense, you know, how it uh, is installed, what it looks like, uh, how it adapts over the year and the season, um, and then how it has the ability to adapt based on your personnel. So um, more familiar with it and, you know, able to give more feedback. Among those that Knowles has added to the defensive coaching staff this year, former Buckeye linebacker James Laurinaitis, who spent last year as a grad assistant at Notre Dame. Laurinaitis, of course, a three-time All-American at Ohio State. This report was brought to you by the Ohio State Wexner Medical Center and by Safe Flight Auto Glass. I'm Matt Andrews on the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield. It's Check your watch jackets, fans. It's Shelly time. Sponsored by the CBJ. Take your family to a game night with the Columbus Dispatch Family Value Pack. And indeed it is. Jackets back at home against the aisle tonight at Nationwide. We head out on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline for a little bit of Shelly time. Do you, when you've been gone this long, do you like reintroduce yourself to your family? Yes. Yeah, so you know, it's nice. They're still there when I get back. So that's, that's a, that's a bonus. <laughs> As, hey, is Rimmer still in his leisure suits? He was in sweatpants, you told us, the entire trip, basically. He finally changed. He's, he's thrown on the jeans. So now he's probably got that suit. I don't know if it's worn out or in the uh, dry cleaning because uh, we have another road trip here. So I know. he'll have that leisure suit back out. I tried he's to got... get a picture of him in the OB throne in that thing, but I, I, I couldn't. Timing was off for him. He had to get back and have lunch, and it was just oh. not fitting in. So. You got to be kidding me! Doesn't he understand the power of social media? Like that could have gone good, viral. He's a good sport. He's a good sport, but I dilly dallied around. I'll take the blame on this one. I dilly dallied. Then I got a picture of it, and then, I, you know, I, 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 he might have been a little bit hesitant about the leisure suit, but Ugh. we'll just leave it at that. Come on, <laughs> like he's it's, he's he's like uh, Polly Walnuts in The Sopranos. Like that's what I want. I want him in leisure suits, living his best life. That's all I want out of Rims. <laughs> How was the puck throw? Strutting around the uh, strutting around the floor within the leisure suit. That's what I want. How would do you? So you found the puck thrown? We found it. Yeah, it was uh, pretty cool. I would never knew it was there unless you told me, and uh, yeah, it was nice. So they have the idea is so is it glued together? Like, can, so you guys could get up on it, or is it are they loose? It's a very small seat. It's okay. uh, the pucks are the pucks are like on top of it, covering the seat, so it's okay. sturdy. You can sit on it, but then the most of the pucks are on the outside, like stacked and on the wings of, of their their capitals uh, uh, emblem. You know, it's all it's a huge thing, but the seat is made to sit on. That that's not where the most of the pucks are. Okay, 
All right. Very good. Well, I'm glad that we, we were able to, to get that information to you. Um, in, in terms of on the ice, uh, we had the news yesterday of, of Cole Sillinger. Uh, we, we thought this would be the case. He'd go play uh, in Cleveland, so that's going to happen. Um, what, what, what do we need from our perspective out of him down there, and, and what do you hope comes of this from his perspective? Well, he's got such a great attitude. Of course, he's disappointed, but he just got to go play meaningful hockey. You know, he had a tough start to the season. This guy's going to be here for the future after a great season last year. And he just couldn't get things going. And, and I, don't, I don't think it's all on Cole. I think there's a lot of, with all the chaos here this year and, and the line mates he's been with, uh, it's been a struggle. Last year he was with Nyquist and Borchek. I mean, you think about that, two good veteran guys. Yeah. And this year it's been really a collage of, of who he was with. So his brother is there. Uh, it's going to be an adjustment. It's humbling, but he, he's going to go down and play. And all you want him to do is play free, help the team get in the playoffs. They're right there. And, you know, make an impact because you want to end on a good note. He's already talking about next season and getting back here and training and being ready. So, you know, it's a good indicator of where he's at. So uh, it'll, it'll be a positive thing in the long run for him. I like that line play, you know, some meaningful hockey, go try to win something of substance. You know, I, th- I always think sometimes we want to fast track these guys so quick, but, and, and I understand it because the very best at the sport do that. They come up very quick and they're good right away. But uh, for the guys who take some development, sometimes it's good to, for lack of a better term, to see the puck go in the net, sometimes literally, but sometimes figuratively as well, Joe. Absolutely. I mean, that's a huge part of any, I mean, you want to feel important as an athlete, but you want to have success. You want to feel like what you're doing counts. And you yeah. feel a lot of times this season that he's been spinning his wheels, and I don't care where you're working or what you're doing. If you're spinning your wheels, uh, it gets frustrating. So it's kind of like a reset, a step back to, to take many steps forward. Yeah, I like it. Uh, injury news uh, this morning, Patrick Line. Uh, this would probably do it for the season for him. I know they haven't said that officially, but a, a few weeks here with an injury with Line A, what do you know about that? I don't know much. I just know that okay. he got hurt yesterday in practice, the last shot of a power play uh, drill they were doing. Uh, he pulled up a little lame, and we saw him around the rink today. He didn't seem too concerned. Um, so who knows, you know, with Line A. I mean, he's one of those guys that, you know, he's, it's been amazing what he's done here to come in and try to play center, and now he's out. So, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, with over a dozen, with just a dozen games left, uh, we could see him back. Okay. All right. Uh, it looks like an injured tricep a, is what they're saying. Um, yeah, Brian Hedger, the dispatcher. The pusher or the puller? That's the push I, or the pull, the tricep. I remember, it's push, right? <laughs> you tell me. You're the, <laughs> you, you just won't have to do much pushing. <laughs> that's right. That's all you got to do. Get him out there. Um, Get him that's out. it. No, I don't want. I don't want any. I don't want. I'm. I'm telling. I mean, just as me talking, not your words. These are coming out of my mouth very clearly. But like, find an injury for Gaudreau. Like, let's let's not screw this no, thing no, up no, a little no. bit. No, no. Yeah, we don't want to. Talk I know my it. words, not yours. Um, but I'm paying attention to all of this, and I'm seeing a six-seven win, and I'm saying to myself, okay, so we're sitting here at fifty-one points, and you've got San Jose at fifty-three, but they've played two more games. So, I mean. Yeesh, you're playing is... an impossible game. You're playing an impossible <sighs> game there. I know it. I mean, you got to play the karma card too. You got, you just got to play. The I game. hope so. Do the hockey gods They're like us, Joe? They've never liked us before. You, you got to give them a little love for them to like you. You got to, you got to, got to go with. They're not going to win twelve in a row. We know that. But you got to add some wins here. Like this team, this yeah. group's working hard, pushing through. 
There's going to be nights where they're going to win. And June will take care of itself. Actually, the balls come out when? In May? May. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they do. Well, we, we have just had... We have had... Yeah, boy, wouldn't that be something? We've, we just have had oh. no lottery luck what so damn ever um and that's so the that's the path that's the i'm path. hoping you can't go on that i'm Listen, hoping that Connor we can Bedard, though is exceptional he's doing things <sighs> that know. are out of this world right now all so, i want in life is him in a 98 in union blue that's it that's okay. all i want okay but if you're if you're wishing for losses and I injuries don't... that is not Good with the hockey gods. They're marking that okay. down. You got to be like, all right, you know what I mean? Just, just play Jody. Blue Jackets hockey. Let the chips fall yeah. where they lay. Jody, the injuries don't have to be real. This is boat <laughs> talking. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe find an injury. Uh, I don't know. All right, so you got the Islanders in here tonight, um, and and this is coming off of the win, the seven to six overtime win. The Islanders are in the thick of it, man. Um, and typically, when we've seen teams that are in the thick of it, they they go in these circumstances. Uh, they've won three in a row coming in. What do you expect to see tonight? Well, the Islanders are going to be. This is going to be a, a closely watched game by the Penguins, by the Florida Panthers, by even the Ottawa Senators, because. You know, they're right there, and they're one of the teams that those other teams are hoping for a loss tonight for the Islanders. Mm-hmm. So they're a team that's, you know, they play tight defensively. They've got a lot of veteran guys. Lou Lamorello, the, the GM, stuck with their team. And, you know, after a disappointing season last year, a lot of, a lot of critics are saying they're, they're playing too old, too slow, but they're finding a way to get it done. They've got Sorokin, their goaltender, who's pretty much top of the league. So... They got a good thing going in the in the, the island, and it's under the radar. I expect them to come out here, and, and they play big, they play physical, they also play very well defensively. So, for the Blue Jackets after that last win in Washington, a few lineup changes. You know, Hunter McCown, the young player who's 20 years old, is going to make his National Hockey League debut tonight out of uh, Colorado College. They just signed him as a free agent. He, like over 15 teams wanted this guy, and he chose Columbus. Uh, he's going to play the center ice position. And uh, play on the second unit of power play. So he's going to get a real opportunity here. So that's something I'm going to watch. But uh, I just talked to Hunter and I asked him how he slept last night. And he said, I didn't sleep at all. So <laughs> I said, I've been there. That's one of those things. It's like you're living in the dream world. And he said, yes. So tonight he's going to go in against the Islanders. Uh, he's extremely nervous, but you've got to be excited for the kid. And uh, yeah, it's a sold-out night at Nationwide. See, this is why we need the kid. They, this fan base deserves the kid. Selling out these games on a Friday in March, man? This is awesome. I'm hearing the rest of the way is sold out. God, it's a great fan hearing. base, man. It's the best it's damn amazing. fan base. Get, let's get them. Let's go. All right. I mean, I don't right. know if you saw the, the Philadelphia Flyers game last night, but, I mean, it was half full. I know. It happens you know? all around. And that's the Flyers, for God's sakes. Right? Yeah. That's supposed to be a hockey so town. We're proud of that here. Yeah, I know it. proud of the, the Blue Jackets here. Well, hockey they gods, pay tonight. attention. Don't ignore us. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Paul. Have a great weekend. See you. you too, pal. A little bit of Shelly time with you on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. We hit three things coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. A lot has changed in 30 years, but we're still that old shoe that feels worn in and well-loved. And, well, we smell a little, but oof, you've accepted that. The Fan. The uncle you never knew you had. The friends you kind of wish you didn't. This is Bishop and Friends.
All right, before we get to three things, what are you on the poll today, Reese? Daily Fan Poll sponsored by Dick Masheter Ford. And today's asks, which team is most likely to pull off an upset tonight in the NCAA tournament? Right now, Princeton getting the upset over Creighton is getting 47% of respondents. Uh, the Tigers are 10-point dogs there. The U getting an upset over Houston is 36%. And then 17% of respondents to the fan poll say San Diego State getting the upset against Bama. Uh, San Diego State and the U are both seven and a half underdogs in their respective Sweet 16 games. Xavier, no love, huh? They're only four-point dogs. That's not as fun, right? Not as fun, yeah. Uh, All right, three things on a Friday. Hit it, boys. One, two, one, two, three things. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. All right, number one for me, um, as I mentioned many times this week, um, we're flying at 5.30 in the morning. That's takeoff. So that's like a 5 o'clock boarding. That'll be a lot of fun with the boys tomorrow morning. Uh, that's like a 3 a.m. wake up. I mean, it's just awful, but this is just what <laughs> it's like it is. 2 a.m. where you're headed. It's nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's just stupid. Like, this is what's happened, though. This is air travel this time of year. This is what you're into. You would just – I'm embarrassed what I paid for this nonsense. Um and and so as I as we're doing this, the one saving grace I so we have, I have clear I have TSA pre like I have all these things so that I know will all go very smoothly. Um, and the one thing that I was very emphatic about is look, we are not checking bags. Like everyone can pull a roller. We're going all rollers at this point. Everybody's big enough. I've been waiting this for this moment for a long time. So my wife this morning was like, well, the boys are worried about their golf clubs out in in Palm Springs. She's like, do you think we need to bring them? I'm not checking a bag so if that means i'm buying three sets of golf clubs in california then that's what we're doing (laughs) so i don't know if you can rent them i don't know you can buy them i'm not checking a bag there's almost no price that would make it worth me checking a bag almost no price first one for me i wanted to put out there a uh a big thanks to t-bone as many of you know that i've been going through this weight loss with awaken 180 and the, I would say that something that made me like go, you know what, it, it could be possible, it could be me, was T-Bone. And he had already lost like 100 pounds by the time it rolled around mm-hmm. for me to do this with Awaken 180. And just to see somebody else who I sit right next to, his desk is right next to me, and see the, the way he had changed, I said, why not me? It, it definitely is possible. And I, so just a big thanks to T-Bone for being a leader on that. And he's somebody who's been very vocal about it on social, and I hope he's helped out other people as well. He's a great man. My first thing, so Ezekiel Elliott delivered a list to his agent Mm -hmm. who delivered that list to NFL reporters today. Yes, this is a wish list of places he'd like to go. Jets, Eagles, Bengals. Uh, And reportedly, at least as of me speaking to you, there haven't been any reports of actual offers given to Zeke. But I guess a decision wants to be reached by next week. So whatever that might mean, take it as you get it. Zach Taylor was asked about this yesterday from WCPO down in the Queen City about Zeke's interest in the Bengals. From mm-hmm. Taylor, quote, there's a lot of great players that are available right now. We like our team as we like our team as where it is right now. It's always funny when things get thrown around. Sometimes it's the first you hear of it, but that's just the way life works, end quote. Thanks, Zach. It, <laughs> it's a good answer out of him. It's, it's a safe answer out of him. Um, I do think it was most interesting that Mixon is still on the team and Zeke had since it, so those two wouldn't coexist, uh, I would not think. Uh, number two for me, so... I, I meant to get to this one yesterday because we actually had watched an episode. Like, I've never, I know like a lot of people, even my mother-in-law came up to me, what do you think about, you know, Harry and whatever and all this nonsense of the royal family? So I'm watching this Queen show. My God, everybody around around them are just vipers. This is the worst people ever. Like, it's, I, I assume like 80% of the stuff in the show is, is probably accurate. Like, awful. 
awful human beings. It's amazing that like that dude's going to be that that dude's king and and, the, and she gets to be queen consort or whatever. Like what they pulled off was stunning. Truly, there was an interview that that Diana did back in the '90s where she said there were three of us in the marriage. Like it was understood. Like insanity, absolute insanity. I don't even know how it would happen now. Something as as, cra- as crazy would happen then. They're lucky there wasn't the internet. And then Succession premieres Sunday, so you'll get oh, more excited. taste of that. Yeah. yeah. So yesterday, putting on my headphones, just a little piece broke on it, and I'm probably going to have to replace them. I was able to tape them up and make them wearable for today, but they it doesn't sit flat on my ear. Either way, this is the second, I've, the same pair of headphones, second headphones I've bought for working here, and I like this one. They don't make this model anymore, and I was looking, you know, because I typed it in and stuff, and it's like for resale at about like three times the price, and I was like, well, I do like the headphones, but one of the reasons I bought them is because they were just like at the mid-tier of pricing, so I don't think trying to sell them like resale at three times the price is really going to get that many people. I don't understand that business model if you're somebody on eBay, but either way, I'm in the uh, the market for some mid-priced headphones. There you go. I'm doing some quick math uh, right here, but the Miami Marlins in 2022 had 81 home games. Their attendance was 907,847. Again, all across the 81 games in 2022. The total attendance for 15 World Baseball Classic games in Miami about two, three weeks, 475,269. Wolf. Finally, for me, boys, keep it between the navigational beacons, between the lines. Uh, good luck to you next week. Uh, I will see you uh, a week from Monday. Yeah, me and Reese are all week. This was uh, pretty cool. I had a a uh, listener reach out to me. I don't know if you guys remember this, but a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, uh, a loyal listener who sends in questions, a lot of hey guys, his name is Shay. He asked, oh, I'm starting a, the, this tiling company out west and I wanted to have some sort of connection to being from Ohio. Mm-hmm. And he says he, he took my suggestion of Script O-Tile. So Script O-Tile is a real business now and <laughs> you're welcome. Maybe some royalties your way. <laughs> So I learned that it was it would be Chops and I next week this morning, just because I didn't look at the schedule. That's so I'll right. be drinking a lot of coffee next week. The New England Journal of Medicine published a study yesterday or Wednesday uh, that caffeinated coffee drinkers averaged a thousand extra steps per day than non-caffeinated drinkers, but slept thirty-six minutes less on average per night. And the okay. end of it was like. We can neither decide whether coffee's good nor bad. It's up to the individual to decide what's right for them. It's like, oh, thanks, New England Journal of Medicine. Thanks for all that. Helpful. Keep practicing medicine, <laughs> team player. Uh, enjoy your weekend, everybody. We're back on Monday. Rothman and I up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. The Big Nine was a sad, incomplete place. Enter Ohio State. The rest is history. The Buckeye Show. Weeknights at 6. The Fan. It's a fan action update. Download the Superbook Sports app or visit Superbook.com and start making your bets today. Sweet 16 continues tonight. The top two favorites in the future's odds to win the NCAA tournament, Houston and Alabama, are both 7.5-point favorites tonight. Creighton is a 10-point favorite over the 15-seed Cinderella. Princeton and Texas is a 4-point favorite over Xavier. For your Superbook action update, I'm Scotty Vegas. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.